podcast. Ah. Oh, yeah. And they're off. They are off. And they're off indeed. Oh, a little extra splurge action. I have a natty daddy. It's 8%. <laughs> oh, no. Who's your natty? <laughs> Who's your natty indeed? You know, that's actually totally drinkable. Well done. Thank you. Give them that. Eight ounces are eight, eight percentages. Very, very, uh, very light, very crisp and refreshing. Hmm. Then John brought us the uh, Sweet Baby Jesus from yeah. Duclaw Brewing Company um, in Baltimore, Maryland. And that's the chocolate peanut butter porter. And that is fucking delicious. It's pretty first, delicious. Mm-hmm. It's not like over, I, I, you know, it's not like a chocolate peanut butter sundae or anything no, like no. that. Is it like real, like rich and heavy? No. It's just yeah. seemed to me just kind of drinkable. Like It's oh, really good. tasty. Yeah. Yeah. I like liked every second of it. A little chewy. Good stuff. Good. To my left. Cam Vanderhorst. Fantastic. Braving braving the uh, the beautiful roads. Yeah, it's really it's really rotten out. It's really fucking disturbing for December 27th. Uh, go ahead. Steve Hoffer. Yeah. Miller High Life. With the High Life. And like I said, that High Life has probably been to a couple of rallies. <laughs> judging by the, the shrapnel and the it dents. It does look pretty... Uh, looks like Boba Fett's up, armor. You know that, that looks like it's about ready for cannonball. <laughs> it does look like T- cannonball. Tastes the same. Whizball. <laughs> tastes yeah. the same as a new one. It is hey, High Life does hold up. And to his left? Johnny Mac. And... Uh, Steve Sleepy, and this may be my last podcast ever if I die on Monday. If statistics. not, I'll be back next week. Yeah, statistics are in your favor. Well, Chris kind of freaked me out. Yeah. I was joking about the 50-50, and then he said, well, 14% of these patients die. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thank He's you so much. Grim Reaper. That is, that is literally him just saying the shittiest thing he could it's possibly right. say. In yeah. all fairness. Right. Most patients aren't your age getting a hip replaced. So that's true. Yeah. That's true. I think that's going to put you, give you a little higher survivability yeah, you're probably, rate. I'm you're hoping. Doing I mean, you're not in, in the family. best of shape, but everybody no. in my family who's been had it done has been over seventy or near seventy. They've all had massive success with it. Everyone's got a great story about like how it changed their life and right, made them more right. mobile. And stuff. You mean all the ones that are still alive? Yes. The, yeah, the ones who survived. <laughs> the doctor. Yeah. The doctor today. I had this, this pre-op thing. You know. And the doctor was going over my, my history. And he was like, looking down, he's like, 2013, you were 187 pounds. <laughs> he's like, you're 256 right now. I started doing the Cleveland Moto podcast. He's like, uh, what changed? I'm like, well, my hip has been dead. And he's like, well, how much beer are you drinking? I'm like, I refuse to answer that question. All of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, here's my suggestion. How about you cut it out for a few months right. and see how that works out yeah. for you? That's, and that is one of those things that... <laughs> and how's that working out for you? <laughs> the liquid bread, yeah, the liquid bread is, you know, 12 ounces is 12 ounces. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's a uh, that can. How many slices is this? A lot, man. Two hundred calories. Half a loaf, right? So, so. But, but here's the interesting thing. So yeah, we live in Cleveland, Ohio, and you know, it's it, there's certain things. That, the doctor literally told me, yeah, put down the beer and start vaporizing marijuana. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that was his not, suggestion. Yeah. And can you write me a prescription, please? <laughs> yeah, right. And I was going to say, you sound like just the doctor to give me that prescription. I know because it is truly doctor recommended. Right. And I mean not, not that I need the prescription or anything, but it's nice to know that I'm backed by the American Medical, Asso- well, Medical Association. And a friend of ours who was recently uh detained by law enforcement. Right. Right. Nicest way to say it. But yeah, he was super duper arrested. Oh, the scooter guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so despite all this paraphernalia and all this weed of all different varieties, the fact that he had a club card yep meant that none of it was they didn't care. They gave it all cheerfully back to him. Mm-hmm. They kept a two and three quarter inch knife. Right, right. But they gave him back $300 worth of weed. Oh, good for so, him. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, there you go. 
So the system does work if you work the system. Right, the, uh, right. the people so. I bought my truck from mm-hmm. uh, run, a dis- run a series of dispensaries. See? Making bank. Go. That's why they sold me my truck, because they went out and bought a new one. Oh, there you go. We need Perfect. a bigger truck. They needed a bigger truck. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. We're going to need a bigger boat. The big thing, uh, I just got back, I don't, since last time we, uh, we spoke, you listened. The, the doctor and I went to our uh, affordable France. Mm-hmm. So we decided to take our uh, you know, training France mission. <laughs> and we did. We went to Ottawa, and then we headed over to Montreal, and then we went to Quebec, Quebec City. And it is very funny because in Ottawa, you know, you're you're still in Ontario there, right. so all the signs are in French and in English because of a law that was passed in like '78 and then amplified in the '80s. And you know, if you haven't even seen the, the movie Canadian Bacon with John Candy, mm. you know. Mm. And, you know, they write all these nasty inflammatory things towards the Canadians on the side. But the Mountie comes up and Mountie goes, um, well, you got to put it in both languages there. <laughs> so they had to put all the nasty epithets they'd written. They had to translate them to French because of a law that says everything has to be written in English and in French. So that's really something that the entire goddamn country of Canada has agreed to do everything bilingually to... Uh, Honor to accommodate their French folks who live there. Yet the fucking province, Quebec, that is English speaking, right? That the one that still holds out didn't choose to play by that law. So Mm -hmm. the Quebec is like the giant fuck you. So they don't put anything in English. So everything in Quebec is in French. So it is, we joke, we're like, that is practice France. Right. Because Everyone there, for the vast majority of the people there, they learn English in school. They speak it. But it is one of those things that's like, uh, it is very much, I, I found myself, I was just like, man, bon voyant, donc. And these, these people are just like, they're just making it hard. It doesn't need to be as hard as they're making it. And I had a couple of people I talked to in a couple of bars are like, look, look, man, all you got to do is you got to start. Mm-hmm. You just got to start. So you have to say like, uh, je ne parle français. Parlez-vous anglais? Merci. And that is simply the turning the valve, saying, I've tried enough to learn that. And then what you find is everybody at that point is very happy to show you their English. I don't hate Frenchness. Right. No, but, and the thing is, is for people that are in the States that maybe like, so for, you know, this was nine years ago, but we couldn't yeah. afford to go on an awesome honeymoon. Right. So we wanted to go somewhere where we could submerge ourselves in a different culture and feel like we were out of the United States. Yeah. And that's the... That is a whole different language. <laughs> no, but we did go. We went to Quebec, right. old city Quebec, and Quebec yeah. as well. And like yeah. you really, you don't feel like you're near the United States. No, it really has. Yeah. It does give you the feeling that you've just flown for at least seven hours, mm. despite having just driven a Korean touring sedan for 12. Right. The, uh, Burt Reynolds felt that way, too. Oh, it's that? In Deliverance. Oh, in Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I gotta say, like, we didn't stay at the Front so, Knock, because the Front Knock is like 600 bucks a night, so we stayed in, in a really cool little, you know, the best way you could describe it, a little, little tiny European hotel, which the bed was the size of the room, you know? And we stayed in there and they had a, you know, a, the true definition of a continental breakfast. And it was fantastic. And it ended up being a very reasonable, very affordable trip for us. And then we did. We went and took the tour of the Front Knock, this amazingly giant hotel. If you ever look up any pictures of Quebec City, you're going to see pictures of this hotel because you can see it from 12 miles away. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the 1600s. So 
there's a, you know, the stink of fur traders is thick on that place. And mink oil. It is all about the mink oil. And you will see a lot of ladies wearing furs. Mm. Enough that it would piss off, you know, some people who weren't fur, you know, fur friendly. And uh, a lot of ladies wearing furs. And being cold there is like a sport. They, uh, <laughs> you know, here we put a little stick at the end of our driveway to tell you where the snowplow should go or shouldn't go. And the stick is like a little tiny stick. And it's maybe like four feet tall. And they sell them at Mark's for like a buck. Mm-hmm. In Quebec City, the stick is six feet tall. It's at least half an inch, maybe three quarters, and it's designed to be hit by snow plows. So that gives you an idea how much snow they're expecting when on top of every fire hydrant is a fucking five-foot pole. So they're used to getting some real snow. That's one of the things I do every year yeah. is when my fire hydrant that's right there on mm-hmm. my house, I always dig it out. Oh, yeah. Because like, it might be your fucking house that needs it. It might be the only fire hydrant that they can yeah. hook up to, you know? Hey, use this one. I dug it out for you. And the Quebecois also do something that's really neat is they'll, you know those white tents they sell at Costco and Sam's Club that are like the heavy canvas material, the plasticky canvas tarp material? I never knew that they had a job other than being a hillbilly garage. So we've only ever seen them as being a temporary hillbilly garage designed to last for a year, maybe two, or anywhere on the east side of Cleveland, you know, nine or ten years until they're like flapping in the breeze like confetti. That's a Quebecois garage. Like a garage extension. So here's the cool thing. If you have those, and they rent them or buy them, they set them up in their driveway so that you open up your garage door and drive through that thing or park the car in there. You now have doubled the size of your garage and you don't have to shovel. So when you're going down a street in Quebec, it's like 30, 40% of the houses have these things. (laughs) So it would be like if you set up one at your house. Yeah, yeah. Your neighbors would probably have you make, and make you take that thing down within about 20 days. Probably. In Quebec, everybody has one. We can't see it back out our driveway. Right. Yeah. In Quebec, everybody has one. But you don't have to shovel your driveway, and you get right. a better run for it when you hit the streets. Well, yeah, you, you like, do. Like, yeah. So super smart. <laughs> so, let me yeah. ask you this. When we were there eight, nine years ago, yeah. it's like where every Sunfire went to die. Yeah. Like every third car was a Sunfire. Yeah. Is it still They love their or? Pontiacs up in Canada. They do still love their Pontiacs, and... The, they use a, a devilish mixture of, uh, of cinders and salt. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when they can't salt, they cinder, and when they can't cinder, they salt. And that's why I don't think you're ever going to see a car over eight years old <laughs> in the entire province. They do hit it heavy, man. They, yeah. they do not spare the salt or the cinders. It's, it's interesting looking at, like my parents had a Canadian market uh, Chevy Sprint yeah. that was sold as Pontiac Firefly. Absolutely, Firefly. And yep. uh, in Lordstown, where they they built Lordstown <laughs> to make all the Vegas, yeah. they actually built them um, in Canada as the Pontiac, uh, I think it was the Aster. Sure. And uh, i trying to remember what I'm surprised else. it wasn't a more First Nations name, like a more Native yeah. American name, being that it was already a Pontiac. The Tomahawk. <clears throat> the Tomahawk, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. There are, there's... There's a ton of like, not a ton, but there's yeah. a, there's an interesting selection of GMs that sold well enough here. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, that were marketed as Pontiacs in Canada for right. whatever reason. Yeah, it's like how Buick was like the up and coming popular brand in China five in China, years ago for a long time. Yeah, exactly. They held the market for a very it, long it's, time. It's just it can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. It's weird that it's you know if you drive two hours you know to yeah. get to Detroit from here, you exactly. can see Canada. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like just over that bridge. It's a whole country of really nice people that love their fucking Pontiacs, <laughs> and I can't wrap my head around and it. And it is, and I will say that 
you know, our entire experience, if, if you have to go, this is, I'm from the official tourism board. Please, yeah, go to Quebec. It's not that far away. It's a lot of fun, and you get to have practice France. I just read an article yeah. that was about GM, and they said one of their points for turning around GM mm-hmm. was bring back Pontiac. Right. And it has little, it probably has very little to do with us. But Oh, yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, it's 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 a pretty declarative statement. But it also wanted a, a Corvette SUV and some other stuff. And I was like, <laughs> well, the new Mustang SUV. Uh, or like, what is, is, yeah. The jelly bean with three this? segment taillights. <laughs> Who wrote this? I think the I think the Pontiac thing does make sense because there is probably still a ton of brand recognition in Canada. Yeah. Not, I don't think there's anything wrong with Pontiacs. I think right. Pontiacs rule. It's just I don't understand why a car that sold fine here is a Chevy. Right. You know. Right. 40 yeah. miles north of where we're sitting now as the crow flies is unsellable unless it has the Pontiac badge on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were, it's very and unusual. And they were like, well, let's bring back the Pontiac. The G6 was right. a, a pretty cool car. And let's bring back the Firebird. Right. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, remember the... Um, we could take uh, a Camaro well, and make it a Firebird pretty easy. Wasn't you know, the G6 actually a Holden? No, no, that was the G8. Oh, the G8. G8 yeah. was a Commodore. Okay. The G6 was front-wheel drive. The G6 was basically the Grand Prix. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um, the, what was it, the Chevy Aveo? They made a Pontiac version of the Aveo for the Canadian market called the G3. And when GM had declared bankruptcy back in 08, one of the news stories that was going out was they had something like a, it was well over a year's worth of supply for of G3s really? sitting unsold. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is which is wild. That's like how the motorcycle industry works. If you do ever want to have a really deep dive on the internet, uh, type in unsold brand new car graveyards. And when you'll see thousands and thousands of cars being sequestered far away from town uh, with in big lots with fences around them, and you'll see tens of thousands of brand new cars that have been built that haven't been bought. And they're just sitting out there because... The manufacturer says, we built them. They didn't sell them. What about the, and, all the TDIs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there's pictures of those lots of the TDIs. There's yeah. uh, lots of the Pontiac, uh, going back to Pontiac, the Pontiac yeah. Silver Dome's parking lot was filled mm-hmm. with yep. TDIs, TDIs that they took back. We, I had to see a ton of them getting shipped out of Baltimore when I was there, and they were all going to Abu Dhabi. Every single one of them was going to Saudi Arabia. And one we're of the guys okay that, with the TDI? With the, they, don't, yeah. they weren't going to change them back or anything? No, they... They coat the roads daily with oil. I mean, you've seen the videos the of out. some guy in headgear and a, a dress hanging out of his Land Cruiser or hanging out of his Land Rover with his sandals on the blacktop being dragged along at 60 miles an hour oh, yeah. because the road is daily coated with oil. Schlick. Yeah. Schlick a schlick. Yeah, that's that's exactly what is it is. Is that why they can do those crazy drift videos where they're going like 9,000? <laughs> yeah, it's like, a to, it's like a Toyota Camry. Yeah. yeah. Just normal. Doing the most impressive. Yeah. 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 And there's and, people like watching one feet away as they drift by at 110 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, it's, like, just, it's a different, I mean, it's it's a totally different culture for them, a different car culture mm-hmm. than we have. The uh, it's, it's bonkers. That time that I went to the dock and I got to see uh, the roll-on, roll-off, these boats hold 7,000 cars apiece. And I got to see one car, one boat that was full top to bottom with nothing but TDIs. Wow. And they sold, and the guy was like, yeah, they sold more in, Ad- in Abu Dhabi. They sold for more in Saudi Arabia than we gave them for trade towards. So how cool was Volkswagen? They convinced you to buy a brand new car. Right. They took yours in trade, and then they took yours in trade and sold it to Saudi Arabia for more mm-hmm. than they, they sold you your brand new one for. 
So, so well done. Making a profit. Ah, oh, yes, they are clearly one of the yeah, one twice. of the one of the coolest videos I saw from for getting Dhabi caught was the guys that do the dune races with their yeah. like fourteen thousand horsepower yeah. fucking cars. <laughs> yeah. But they have open turbochargers. <laughs> And open, yeah. like, inlets, in the sand. And then it blows up, and they're like, ah, I messed up. And I'm like, why didn't you just put an air cleaner You on? put an air filter on there, you might not fuck up as bad. How could that have happened? Right. Exactly, right. You're running an open turbo in the sand. Chris Smith, oh, showing Chris. up. Very good to see you, sir. We can, uh, we can rearrange. We're not empty handed. We got another microphone, and there's a chair right there. Make sure that you get all amplified. Amplified? Uh, antlerfied. It's that time of the year. We're all getting antlerfied. The uh, wait, I thought the rule was you, you use the mic of shame. If you it was a, yes, there is a mic of shame if you come in late. It just works better for if School Cam moves over you. a tiny, yeah. Cam, <laughs> Cam's gonna Cam's literally shoulder Chris into the camera. <laughs> oh, yeah, the camera's right over yeah, there. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, my god, you know, it's always fun to pick up the phone at you know an hour and a half after we close <laughs> cleveland motel <laughs> cleveland motel speaker. you have rooms yeah. available it usually i will usually run and grab the phone but in this case i'm not going to so we'll just let well, it you know what? We'll let it go to camera died anyway. did it really yeah something's not working uh-oh that is a that is a hard fail is there anybody here who's an av specialist i know I so weird right yeah I'm gonna. I'll, I'll okay, answer the phone. You got a red light. No, out of the front. Now the red light's out. <laughs> it, went, it was on and it went out. Yeah, it's yeah. getting better. <laughs> so about motorcycles. Did it stop at the same <laughs> ten minute point? Yeah, something happened here. Uh oh. Repairing your file. Oh, well, I guess, that's nice. Well, as soon as I get my leg reattached, I can go and uh, I will hit the Best Buy thing for the Geek Squad to replace this motherfucker. Oh, that could be that. That one might <laughs> just be shit. So I looked at my motorcycles with my brother. He was visiting. Well, okay. So to tell our podcast listeners, for the past week, it's been over 50 degrees here. Yeah, I almost still, it. I was, We haven't had a good rain to wash the salt yeah, off. Though, it's so a little salty. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't bother me. I was going to ride, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, I just jump in the car and go. It's too late to get in. Yeah. I rode a few bikes today. Yeah, ooh, look at that. Ooh. I was, Chris uh, Smith is passing out uh, meat sticks. Uh, sir. Meat sticks. I'm going to pass it down. Take yeah. Off. So did you look at the ingredients on these? Because uh, a lot of uh, I bought these before, and the first ingredient was pig hearts. Hearts, okay, and? pig hearts. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, I'm at. Well, I think that okay. So the pig heart, and is it just? A, is, I mean, is this just a beef stick of unknown origin, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's a Cleveland based beef. Stick. Yeah, it's a Cleveland based beef stick, right? Yeah. So so, it's a Cle- so you might know the pig the heart came out of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Personally. Oh, go, go. Or it's just <laughs> leftover Browns fans. Here's the, here's I'm good, says the vegetarian. Yeah, vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing the, they made of pig hearts. Can't, here's like the thing. They, uh, the, I think the first on, ingredient on, in uh, Slim Jims is mechanically separated chicken, right. which right. is one of the most dystopian phrases I've ever Absolutely heard in my entire is. life. Yep. And that's not just because I love my chickens. It's just thinking of the idea of chicken being separated mechanically. Mechanically. Mm-hmm. I picture it as but, a chicken going through a series of weed whackers. Yeah, probably. Uh, Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. putting the, the meat off. Of the it. first ingredient for Slim Jims. I've been eating Slim Jims most of my life. If, right. the, if I actually since looked, slim. since I was slim, slim, you guys remember. <laughs> so since I looked at the, uh, if I looked at the ingredients one day and it said first ingredient was goat asshole, right? I would be like, wow, I guess I like goat assholes now. <laughs> I've been eating Slim Jims I now longer than I haven't mm-hmm. been eating right. them, so yeah. I'm not giving them up. All right. Um, McDonald's is supposedly the world's largest pers- purchaser of bovine ocular sockets. Oh, bovine ocular sockets, right. That's exactly it. Makes perfect sense, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of meat in that eye socket. Right. Sure. Is there? They do nothing yeah. else. It's all animal product. 
Oh, look at that. You de-skinned it. You defrocked it. He pulled the oh condom God, off. He, did pull the, he, pulled the, he pulled the freaking condom right off that thing. That's it. all the crunch. De-gloved it. Yeah, that's the snap. That's what gives it the snap that people like is in a good beef stick is that snappy, but it's really just that skin. Yeah, it's just that, that outer casing. we got to be careful we don't gross anybody out. I know. I'm not talking we're about well our teeth. Yeah, yeah, that's they it. couldn't listen to the episode nah, because well we talked about that. the smell of our teeth. I love the, um, you guys about motorcycles. There's these, these things we do, the motorcycle things. Check yeah. out the, um, check out the, I'm going to come up with a word for it, PowerPoint slide okay. from the, I believe it's the KTM dealers meeting. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, this, you know, a lot of people were questioning what the fuck was going to be the, the next KTM, because we were all talking about, you know, these Indian bikes and where they're going to continue spending time with the, uh, the 390s, you know, what was going on. They're bringing the heat. And they are bringing the heat. And it looks like they're bringing some parallels and uh, some bringing some different stuff. So I'm kind of excited about that. You have to give me a second while we pull that up. But they're, we tried the KTM 390s and it really, we didn't, we weren't blown away by them. So they were cool and they were fun, but it was really, it was kind of a play bike and it didn't seem to have a ton of, a ton of balls. But I do think that if you can come up with this, this bigger motor and it sounds like there's going to be a twin. So to get into a 500 CC, a 490 CC twin, that's, that's something that people can get a little more excited about. And I, I personally love the idea. So I, I would I, have been happy with a 394 cylinder. Mm. <laughs> I mean, what's the problem? Yeah, yeah why not? Hot sure. I did it in 75. I mean, yeah. And I was say, where, where, where is this? Right. I knew and isn't going. that the perfect example of, you know, why did you stop building four cylinders? Because they're fucking expensive. Because there's a lot of valves. There's a lot of pieces, parts. Nah. And you get down into like where every manufacturer is building a 400cc single, right? They're just cheaper to build. It comes back down to that. And if They want to make more money. Yep. And it's a, it's a, real, it's a real profit source. And it, it damn sure is a real profit source. But I give credit for KTM for listening to what people are actually asking for. Mm-hmm. Every other manufacturer is making a bigger bike, a bigger bike, like a 1200cc scrambler or this or that. And KTM is bringing, like, okay, we got a 250, a 390, a 501, like, yeah. all these different things. Did they and announce Husky's any? There. Yeah, and yeah. Husky's there. You know, Husky's right there with them. So Husky's yeah. doing that. They're the, doing some the pretty smart cool dealer. retros. Well, were you, uh, did you see the one that was at uh, Vintage Days? I think, yeah, because I think you were with me because you were complimenting. Because it was the first time we'd seen a smart peeling oh, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah, person. Yeah, and yeah. That is a sexy looking bike. It's that looks yeah. very much so. I know it's like pretty hacky to say this but it does look like an ikea bike because it has the same styling that ikea furniture does (laughs) you're right and And it's like this mix of you know just being curvy and brutalist at the same time and it looks very functional well and that's the thing and it's beautiful ktm is sharing a lot of stuff with husky well obviously it's the same company basically but um they so they debuted that 709 or 790 with the round headlight headlight, but they also said they're taking that down to a 501 and a, a 392 yeah and and but if it has the same body style, they won't keep those in stock. But do man. we think this is, if you build it, they will come? So are you, who's going to be the guy that's going in and buying a 400, 490-ish, uh, brand new? Like, open up their wallet, proper layout the money. I think there's a lot of guys. If the okay. weight, if, 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 yeah. 
if the bike comes in at a respectable weight so that these dudes can actually off-road it, okay. they will sell a shit ton of them. If they make it a 490-pound pig that oh, happens to be 490 cc's, they right. won't sell shit. And if you look at that Husqvarna, I'm not sorry, Husqvarna, the, the, everyone loves the Royal Enfield Himalaya. Thank you, sir. Well, the reason everybody loves it is because it's under $5,000. Yeah. I mean, that is seriously Vespa 150 money yeah. for a real motorcycle. And it's really easy to have a love affair with a bike that costs less than five grand. Let me just put everything yeah. in hotter terms. <laughs> an XR, like XR six fifty L, which is a which has been around for years, is fifty nine or five ninety nine ninety nine. It's about six grand. Mm-hmm. So you could have a big full size six fifty for under six I know. grand. And six grand. So it has always been the best value for money, forever. I mean, it is. If you're not comparing... And a KLR is not too far behind. Right. If you're not comparing a little high-strung 390 or 490 or whatever single, if you're not comparing that to a big, stupid, I think dumb... A, a DR650 DR650 5400. Right. Exactly. So you're really you're missing the boat. And so if you look at this, uh, this document we got pulled up, this is from... Uh, you might be able to find a copy of this on Adventure Rider. But uh, Husqvarna is talking about their 490, and they really do have. I just think that some of the bikes they've got out there, whether they are, you know, your adventure bike, or whether they've got these a few bikes that are very classically inspired, uh, I think that they've got a neo classic for you. They've got an adventure bike for you. Uh, KTM has definitely punching at the middle of the range. Like, they're throwing a lot of fucking energy with KTM and Husqvarna into that sub-500cc market. And not a lot of people are doing that. And if you look at Harley-Davidson, and they're talking about that, um, that you know, 366 or 370cc uh, bike that they're selling, you know, don't call it an SSR, it's a Harley-Davidson now. Don't call it a Benelli, because uh, it's a Harley now. But they're going to be putting a lot of energy into that sub-500cc market, too. And I think the writing is. Are they the going to put a lot of energy into it, or are they just going to represent saturation? something and then? Well, move on? if they do the same thing that they did with the with the Indian bikes, so they do the same thing they did with the Street 500 and the Street 750. Yeah. Then I think that it might be like we we tried. Yeah. We gave it a shot, and we got uh, we put as little into it as we needed to. Right. To learn our lesson. And, to and say we got that away we clean. Did. And to right. say we did. That happens yeah. in the that happens in the uh, the automotive industry all the right. time. It's like BMW didn't want to sell wagons. It's clear they didn't want to sell wagons in the U.S. anymore. So you uh-huh. know what they did? The last three series we got wagons of. The only way you could get it was it had to be all wheel drive, and right. you could either get the uh, four cylinder or the diesel. There was no really? way to get the top spec you six get cylinder, the, the good motors, sport pack, really? manual transmission like you would want. And then when nobody bought them. They said, well, we're not going to sell wagons because nobody right. bought them. Nobody and it's bought like, them. yeah, it, I had to pay the same shit. money for a right. 328X drive that I would okay. for a 340i. Yeah. And sorry, I got a piece of the meat condom stuck in my <laughs> It teeth. got a little extra casing. Yeah, a little extra casing. <laughs> but I mean, like, there, there's so many stories of, of that happening even yeah. just within the past decade of companies going, well, we tried to sell you an enthusiast car and you didn't buy it. Right. It's like, yeah, because you packaged it in a stupid way. Yeah. For me to go into debt to buy this, and I see it happening with bikes too. But I think, see, I think the movement towards that, yeah, is because they're going to start putting CO two limits on emissions. That's a so good right point. Right now, they limit. You're going to lower your overall load, right? So they're looking. You're looking at a like in the past, it was nit- nitrogen 
Yep. And uh, uh, hydrocarbons. Right, always. And carbon monoxide. Well, they've gotten rid of all those. Okay. So right. now... So because the things are catalyzed, that number has gone down to nothing. Right. So now they need to uh, make another rule so they could stick it up your ass. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they're Even going further. to say that it's CO2. So that's why you see, like, these Lincolns have a two-liter turbocharged right. engine right. and you're going like you're no longer they're moving everything down my brother-in-law's chevy silverado right. 2.7 liter four cylinder in a big truck in a full-size pickup truck right. with a turbocharger with a turbo. how's it right. run great yeah right mm-hmm. and I then it's it's complain, because of right? that. Well, so, it's so, so is there anything wrong with that if the vehicle runs properly right for the load it's got to take look yeah. the stress on a 2.7 yeah. versus a, a 5.7. And then you and you control How long it. does a turbo last? And by putting yeah. it through a 10-speed. And if you're not using the car, if you're babying the car and you're mm-hmm. not using it, you have, deal, you know, your turbo's coaking up. It's mm-hmm. not, well, there's all kinds of, with direct injection. Which oh, is, direct injection is a disaster. That's yeah. why I didn't buy a brand new Subaru this year, because you either have to avoid the warranty right. or do a walnut blast every 15,000 miles, yeah. or else it gets completely coked. My like, buddy has an Audi A8, and he did the wall. He had to do the walnut blast, because you're yeah. not... Having any fuel coming past your valves, all the fuel goes right into the cylinder. First thing you did with the Hyundai was we put a catch can on it. Yeah. Well, I was and telling him, I'm like, why don't you do a, well the catch can? Yeah. Yes, but then just put a port in somewhere where you right. can actually spray, you know, cleaner I mean, in there. You know, yeah. put Toyota, sea foam in. Yeah. Toyota was smart. They put another injector that on mm-hmm. cold starts will spray fuel right. just to wash directly. everything off directly yeah. onto the. Yeah, Toyota did that, but for most other people, if you're not sure whether or not you need it, you can go online and you can find out within about one second whether or not your car has a direct injection motor. And in my opinion, you should be installing a catch can. Mm -hmm. They're super cheap. They do work. Um, I spend my life at the dealership taking catch cans off of vehicles, and now I'm putting them on my cars and shit because... um, because, yeah, we do need to be able to keep the backsides of the valves clean. If they become dirty and nasty, they're not going to seat right. I so what you're talking right. about is instead of running the oil vapor mm-hmm. that comes out of your breather mm-hmm. that normally goes back into your intake track right. and gets sucked into the motor right. and then gums up your valves, mm-hmm. take, that, take it out of the intake track right. and let it go into a catch can. Exactly. And then every once in a while, pour it back into your motor. Yeah, you can pour it wherever the fuck you want, right? Don't. Yeah. I suck it back in. I want to put my tinfoil hat on for a second. So it's like a cyclonic. So what is it? A cyclonic? uh, Yeah, all they do is you're just basically. And then the vapor still goes back in the engine? Yeah, Yeah. you're pulling a. They're going to sell you the canister. You know, you can buy them anywhere for between 12 and 200 bucks, depending on who's going to rip you off the most. But it's it's all just the same thing. All you're doing is you're pulling off of that line. And you're giving it somewhere to go. So that return you'd normally have for an EGR is now going to go out, and it's going to wander its way into the catch can. And then it was the EGR or PVC? Uh, well, the pollution control valve. So the EGR is your exhaust gas return valve. And that's when you want to get. Yeah, yeah. So, but PVC gives you vapor too, though. Yes, right? it does. Yeah. So, do you want to run those both into there? Yeah, the PCV valve. No, I believe it's the EGR, but I I would have to. What you, know you what? don't want to do. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Do you know how many times back I've done into it? Your intake. I've done it three times, and every time I've done it, I've taken the extra 31 seconds to Google it. So I just am reading the instructions every time I do it. So. I do recommend doing it because with Merritt's car, she, it was showing 16,000 miles, right? And then I had looked at a number of videos to see kind of where things were with these cars. And yeah, cars were showing symptoms way less than 20,000 miles. Road vent. Yep. 
Here's yeah, the, here's the thing. <laughs> number, number one, people don't notice the right. gradual decrease in right. performance. And number two, I think manufacturers have really figured out. I saw it with BMW. Mm-hmm. And if BMW is behaving this way, you know everybody else is too. Of course they are, yeah. And what it is is that realizing that we built our reputation on the backs of building cars that last forever if you right. take care of them. People aren't taking care of their cars because they aren't keeping them forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we only need the car only has to last through the certified pre-owned second owners. It's sad lifespan. to say, but I think we're all. I and think that's, every manufacturer is doing that right now. Yeah, I think every manufacturer is doing that with cars, and right. I think with manu- uh, with motorcycles, you're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying, well, you know, even if we get the lucky, you know, if we get lucky and we sell however many of these to however many millennials mm-hmm. that will buy a bike, they're going to put two thousand miles on it a year. Yeah. They're going to put 2,000 miles on it a year for five years, and mm-hmm. then it's going to sit in the garage, and they're not going to touch it anymore, or they're going to sell it. Yeah. And they're going to wait 10 years and sell it, and the person they buy it from is going to have the expectation that they're going to have to fix everything. Yep. So I think you're really going to you're, – you're really seeing – I don't want to say quality go down, but I think everything is inherently built to a price point. Everything is inherently compromised mm-hmm. because it has to be mass-produced. Um, but I think you're really <laughs> going to see them building to the point of – we don't expect this to last forever. And I mean, we saw it with consumer electronics and um, appliances mm-hmm. before we saw it with cars. Yeah. You I, know, if you bought an old house that had a refrigerator in the basement, you could probably plug that old refrigerator in and it would still work. I've got televisions that are, I've got CRT televisions that are like 30 oh, you can't years wait old for them still to die. work. Yeah. You can't wait for them to die. They That's won't, just, they won't right. die. And, but you know, there's televisions that I've had, you know, I had friends that, when they were 18, got the Best Buy card and bought way too big of a television, and they're still paying that television <laughs> off. They've got $7,000 into a $1,500 television. And 217 payments left at 29%. Right, and done, they don't yeah. own that TV anymore because it's done. I have a, a um, handed-down set of hedge clippers that are have to be the late late 40s, early 50s yeah. or something. They look like a snap-on, um, <laughs> have, like a hard, no, no, like an electric one. They're electric. Oh, they're electric. You do plug it into the yeah, wall. Yeah. yeah, But they look like, you know, like a snap-on impact wrench. Yeah. The same right. casing and all that, oh, yeah. but there's like a hedge clipper sticking out the front. Are they aluminum? <laughs> aluminum casing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, you can't kill those things. No, like, of course not. And that's the that's that idea. Is, so I have a whole set of aluminum craftsman tools like right. that. And they'll last yeah, forever. they'll last forever. And they'll never yeah. die. It's... When we start thinking about that long-term longevity of stuff, I've got folks, I got a guy today that brought me in a Ducati motorcycle, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a Multistrada. It's got a thousand CC motor in it. Uh, it's got 36,000 miles. The valves have never been adjusted. That is not a good thing. No. I'm not saying like, well done. Right. No. Yeah. Well done. No. For whatever reason, this thing lived its goddamn life and nobody ever thought to adjust the valves and as things as the bike was having problems running more and more problems running they did everything except adjust the valves (laughs) so they you know did everything they could to rich in the mixture they did everything they could to change the airbox they did everything they should or everything they could read online about but they never adjusted the valves and thirty-six thousand miles later this thing is barely starting and won't idle and it comes in because he just bought it recently Ooh. and wants to put, you know, cool things into it. He wants to put fun stuff into it. But he's like, well, yeah, it's running pretty bad, so it's going to need a tune-up. <laughs> a tune-up. It does not need a tune-up. It needed three valve adjustments. You know, in its life, at 36,000 miles, it should have already had, right. 
three valve adjustments. It should have had 10, it should have had one at 20, and it should have had one at 30. And even if you were stingy and you did it at every 15,000 miles, which wouldn't be right for that era of bike, but you'd at least be on your second valve adjustment by now. Not so valves. Right. And that's <laughs> the, the, the thing is like, my guys are looking at it and they're like, well, we're hoping, and I mean, we are seriously hoping that a valve adjustment is going to solve your problem, that we're going to be able to take this thing apart, get the correct shims, do it right, and give you something to have that's going to work. Because that idea of building something to last only a certain period of time can really bite you in the ass. And, you know, BMW and Ducati have kind of famously in the past five years really lengthened their service intervals to make their bikes more ownable to the general public because the word got out pretty hard. Dude, if you got a Ducati, maintenance on that thing is going to put you in the fucking poorhouse. Or if you got a BMW, valve adjustments are coming around every so often. It's yeah. more than you want. And nothing has changed. Right. It's just that, like, again, like the first, I started noticing it with BMWs with um, the service intervals on the automatic transmission, mm -hmm. the ZF, the ZF automatics. Sure. And they said it had a lifetime fill of fluid. That's right. No. Yeah. No, of course it No doesn't. transmission has a lifetime fill no. of fluid, unless you plan on the lifetime being about 100,000 miles. I was going to say about 10 years. Right. About ten years. That's and what I was saying about the Briggs and Stratton. They're they're billing their lawnmower <laughs> engines. Are you never have to change oil? Well, when right. you look at how often you use them and blah right. blah, blah blah blah. Sure, it makes sense. If you're willing to put two hundred hours on one oil change, then yes, it never needs <laughs> it never needs change. And that's and that's that idea. When we have people that are on, we have this strange situation right now that not a lot of people are buying brand new motorcycles. But people are still buying motorcycles. So a lot of used motorcycles are being bought. And a lot of people are kind of owning bikes, forgetting that the whole, like, you do have to do some maintenance to it. Because the car in their driveway or the pickup truck that had the motorcycle in it's a fucking Toyota. And it doesn't require maintenance. Yeah, God damn ever. Really, right? like, really spoiled yeah. just within the last, the last decade or two yeah. of cars where... You can, like, uh, we were watching a Christmas story on yeah. Christmas, like everybody does, sure. and his dad pulls over for the flat tire. Right. And I was pointing out to Beth, like, our parents yeah. probably had to change a tire a year every two years. Oh, sure. When right? was the last time you I don't, and I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I don't know the last time I changed a tire in a car. Mm -hmm. Because I had to, like, side of the road thing. Every other time I've tired, changed tire, I've changed four. Because right, I'm right. mounting my winters or mounting my summers like people or are rotating. really, really spoiled but yeah, also by... It depends on what what you're doing. Like like dirt bike guys, mm -hmm. like guys that are dirt bike riders, they're used to doing valves every like 25 hours or 30 hours yeah. or 40 hours. Some of them are. Some of right, yeah. I mean, like, but <laughs> but I like, mean like, but there's different yeah. expectations going into it. Yeah. And I but think, I think your average motorcycle newbie that's buying their first motorcycle, right. or they put, or they don't keep a motorcycle long enough or put enough yeah. miles on it to need to do those. Nobody services, asks about maintenance requirements. They don't. Yeah, they don't yeah. worry about don't it. About I it. have a question. Then. Yeah. Why can't we build a motorcycle that can go 150,000 miles without a valve change? You can. It's called a PC-800. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're right. You can build it, but it's not going to give you 150 horsepower per liter. I was, the, GLs, the GLs have, I mean, the uh, Goldwings have hydraulic valve lifters. That's right. And that's something that Harley-Davidson has had and mastered forever. Like, I can't think of the last time you could buy a Harley-Davidson from the dealership that didn't have hydraulically adjusted valves. I mean, why wouldn't you just want that? Right. Royal Enfield's had it. Yes, exactly. And that whole idea that, like, the design or the build-out of a motor to 
be super long lasting. Even the, what was it? The Nighthawk 700 SC yeah, had hydraulic, had overhead valve yep. Hydraulic, yep, hydraulics, hydraulic shim over bucket. Yeah, like you'd that's never a have backwards. To, you'd never have to. Change. I was I was talking to my buddy who's that's a big amazing. who's a big motorcycle guy, Tristan. He's owned a ton of Ducatis. He's like he's a guy that he'll buy a new sport bike every other year because he doesn't really have any vices. That's just what he wants to do with his money. So. Awesome, more power Good to on him. If any right, of us exactly. were, if any of us yeah. were smarter, we'd probably all be doing the same thing. Right. Regardless, we were talking about bikes, and I had made the the statement that there are motorcycle companies mm-hmm. built on the backs of very good bikes. Oh yeah. But truly great motorcycles bankrupt the companies that build them, and it's the and, same yeah. with cars. Yeah. Because That's true. to build a truly great motorcycle yeah. is going to be too expensive to sell. Or right. you're going to have to take a loss on everyone you sell. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the H2, the Kawasaki H2, the new H2. The new one, yeah. That's just a big, you know, that's just so Kawasaki can have the big swing and dick. Absolutely. Because they lose, they lose money on every one of those bikes to, they sell. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. if the fact that that motorcycle is still purchasable, yet it has a supercharger, and it has every other goddamn thing in the world, and the launch control system, ride-by-wire, traction control, ABS, and everything else. If you took all that shit a la carte and put a price tag on it, uh, it would cost It'd be you a fifty thousand dollar bike at yeah, least, yeah, exactly. If not so more. That does make sense, and but it brings up their right. profile. The way right. you sell that something like that to the bean counters is we have to do this periodically to keep people, you know, let us know we're on top. Like, uh, well, that that harkens back to the bike that you hate and all the ones yeah. and all the KZs yeah. and the exactly. H ones and all that stuff. Yeah, well, real mean, quick, Chris Smith, what kind of Schlebel shits am I drinking? Oh here? my god. This is the uh, Holiday Moonshine. The Holiday... Mrs. Oh. Smith's Holiday Moonshine. We holiday had this cheer. before, didn't we? Yes, we have had that before. We've so had this is a little cinnamon and stuff. That's what Nutmeg, mm. clove, and it, it, ginger. It is and, uh, delicious. little Mrs. Smith spunk juice goes in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> you call it love. We call it the renderings from 93 pairs of panties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, tea. That's, is that why it's a little bit red? <laughs> okay. 1984. I threw it up on the board. CB700SC. The SC is important. Never sold anywhere outside of the United States. What the fuck does that tell you when a Japanese company like Honda builds it in Japan and doesn't sell it anywhere except for America? Is that a shaft drive, too? It is everything. So I know a guy that is the only motorcycle yeah. he cares about. He owns at least 30 of yeah. them. Oh, yeah. That's the and only bike he cares about. So here's the, tr- the tricky thing about one. these. I've never owned one. Yeah. So... This is a very, very interesting bike, and in some ways a very hard bike to own. Spin-on uh, automobile-style oil filter is the thing that jumps out to well, me. Well, of course it does, because every other Honda had a literally a paper filter you had to take the cover off of and replace the filter element. Although, interestingly enough, there are adapters yes. that you can put just a spin-on filter Absolutely on Absolutely can, yeah. So here's what's cool about this one. Shaft drive, uh, a valve adjustment system that you couldn't do anything to. You literally couldn't do anything. Track to too, track. Yep. Wow. Exactly. So it had the anti dive system, uh, the torque reactive anti dive control. Fucking how cool is that? Double disc in the front, drum in the back. You didn't need a disc in the back because it was a shaft drive bike. Why make it complicated? Put a drum in the back. Uh, this thing it had a gear indicator. So you know, here take that Suzuki. I got a gear indicator too. Um, it had so much going for it. A six-speed gearbox way back in 1984, right? So they had spent a ton of money building this thing, and they really did. They, they did 
built the shit out of this thing. Unfortunately, it was during a period of time called the 80s when there was a lot of lame fuckery going on in the carburetor department. So these bikes came from the factory ferociously lean. Um, this is a bike that took some true fucking black voodoo to make run correctly. Uh, at no point did these bikes come out of the box running right. And pretty much the only way to make these things run correctly was to do uh, immediately jack the needles up, two clips, and punch put a much bigger uh, pilot running uh, pilot jet or slow running jet in it. Get that up there. You really had to wet these things down to get them to run right. I like always starting with a bigger pilot jet yep. because that's always open. That's yes. always, no matter where you are, no matter that's where always you are, second yeah, guess yeah. that one. Your primary source of fuel is always your pilot jet or slow running jet. That's always open. There's nothing you can do. It never closes. And so to get a bike that that's just showing lean from the factory, starter jet's always a great place to go. The down and dirty repair on these to make it just quick is to go ahead and just jack the uh, needle up two clips a uh, pretty fast way to deal with it well check this out so after yeah. the last podcast me and mike worked on my grim and we put a 90 a 90 main jet in it mm-hmm. and like and decorked all the stuff that's factory plugged yeah. so you right. can't fuck everything with it, that's right? fucked with, yeah and so i think to get emissions on that little chinese thing um it, all the things i read said that the mixture should be at least about one turnout. okay okay yeah. when we pulled the, the cork on mine and checked right. it it was a quarter Right. That's why the thing was so well, lean the whole yeah. time. And you probably couldn't get it to run right until you got it at corn, uh, a turn or a turn and a half out. Right. Yeah, and so I went up a hole because it had an 88 main jet in it. We went to a 90. Mm-hmm. I shimmed the, the needle one washer up to okay. get a little more mid-range. And then we cranked the, the, the mixture to a full turn out. Right. And now the thing runs great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I can't believe that, that like, if you're a schmuck and, like, you don't know that you can even do anything... Like why? Why do they cork? All, like, is that like an EPA thing? Yeah, like, it's absolutely yeah. an EPA thing. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely an EPA. It's a set it and forget it, and that's not yeah. just on Chinese. No bikes. way, that's man. Plenty no. of. Uh, I think even my KLR had yes. a drill out. KLR has a drill out. There's a lot of motorcycles that have drill outs to this day, but they're made to be drilled out. Exactly. We, <laughs> we joke all the time. We call them drill outs for a reason because you fucking drill them out. It's just a lead plug. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing to it. Um, you can get fancy with all kinds of stuff. When we, you know, to celebrate this bike. Uh, it wasn't light. It's 470 pounds, you know. Uh, it's not 500 though. It's still under 500. Right. It's under 500. You're absolutely right. Oh. Um, it did make it did make a lot of people did say that the 80 horsepower was attainable, especially when you jetted it right. So that was real. A 45 foot pounds of torque is not anything to sneeze at. Out of a 700 cc motor, yeah, these are good numbers. These are real good matter numbers. But it also had that weird like 16 inch front wheel. Yeah, the the weird the wheel choices, the tire choices today would be challenging for you. I always uh, like the color scheme. I like the oh, color. Yeah. The, Have I, you ever mostly seen the, the red are... and black? But the blue and black was also pretty mm-hmm. cool. You blue ever seen black, one that was black. white and blue and red? Oh yeah, maybe that was Not a limited edition. Those are mega rare. So the guy yeah. I know that's got 40 of them, yeah. he's got. 39 red and black ones and blue and black ones, you know, split evenly between the two. Yeah. He's got two. Two red, white, and white blue ones. Of the red, yeah. white, and blue ones. Wow. And it's man. rare to find those things unfuckered, too. No, mm-hmm. exactly. It's, it's really hard. They usually have a super trap on them or yeah. Mac yeah. or so, something. So terrible. I assume yeah. that the reason that you pulled this up yeah. was because the reason that only we got it and the reason yeah. that we got it as a 700 and not right. a 750 was tariff, to avoid baby. the, yeah, was to avoid the, the that tariff. Was the, that was that year, that 700cc magic number, that if you were under 700ccs, oh, 
Ronald Reagan doesn't care about your bike. You're not fighting with Americans. Ralph Nader's not going to come get you in your sleep. Right. If it was over 700 cc's, well, clearly you're taking money out of somebody in Milwaukee's pocket. <laughs> so we're going to tariff the shit out of your bikes. <clears throat> yeah. And that tariff lasted four years or five years? Yeah. Because didn't, yeah. didn't it have every year? I think it did. It, and it was it ridiculous. Was a, like 83, 83, I think, was, was an insane... Number. It's a good one to look at, and it's also good to look at like the chicken tax and some of the different ones that have come across that really oh, yeah. have affected motorcyclists over the years. Um, this really was a tariff where they did take the money that people were paying to buy those leftover 750s and the 900s and the 1000s of that era. Um, you saw the price jump between a CB700 SC and the CB900. Was a mat like it was huge. It was almost it was twice the price. Ridiculous, wasn't it? yeah. Because I think the yeah. tariff started out at thirty five percent. It was a huge increase, and that was a tariff because the money from that did actually go to help Harley Davidson. Yeah. So as opposed to just being a tax that just went to the U.S. federal government, and this was a tariff that actually did go to the not company that, it, that they were not that to it help. makes Harley look any less scummy, yeah. but I think after four years, it was the CEO that said because it was supposed to run out for much longer. Oh, was the it? Tariff plan was yeah. supposed to run out longer, mm-hmm. and Milwaukee said. We're fine now. We're okay now. We have the Evo motor. Yeah, yeah. we want to compete yeah. now. You know, we yeah. want to compete on on equal footing now. Which you know, good for them. But and I that's think the what it took. Was kind of scummy in the first place. Yep. But at least yeah. they did the right thing after a while. It's like if you kill somebody and like twenty five <laughs> years later you go turn yourself into the police. You're like, you know, I, a while ago I fucked up. Uh, yeah, you, you did the right thing. You, you just, did the wrong yeah. thing, right? And <laughs> then eventually, okay. when it was when it was advantageous <clears throat> to you, you did the right thing. Hey Sam, you know your third kid that doesn't look like you and looks like me, right? Well, let me <laughs> we gotta talk. The one that just graduated. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I have this weird uh, dream, like, like I've dreamt of killing people before, <laughs> but sometimes that bleeds over into my real life, and I'm like. Really you are never, ever allowed to take I'm Ambien. actually not sure if I've ever. killed somebody Ambien. or not. If you ever take Ambien I or Angel know. Dust. <laughs> What's the difference? I'm pretty sure I haven't actually killed people, but then I also worry that maybe I have at some point and I just have blocked it out of my Johnny, how much, how much Grand Theft Auto do you play? Dr. Waters came down to the basement and found me cleaning guns on Ambien. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Dr. Waters came out in the garage and found me rebuilding a Rally 200 motor on Ambien. At like five o'clock in the morning. And what were you wearing? Very, oh, actually, very little in both occasions because I tend to sleep naked. So, uh, yeah, I was in the basement cleaning guns naked, sitting on the floor. I used and, to have friends. Oh yeah, saved. cleaning your gun. <laughs> okay. I had like fifteen <laughs> guns laid out. I used to have. A uh, I used to have friends save voice. <laughs> probably the last time yeah. they were ever clean from when I was on Ambien. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Because oh, uh, yeah, because I would li- I would leave entertaining voicemails. Yeah. I had a uh, pl- I had, I ruined a platonic female friendship because uh, <laughs> I called on Ambien and told her we should have sex in a giant ice cream sundae. Well, first of all, and I don't even like bananas, so I don't know why I was all about. <laughs> That's bananas, number one, where are you going to get a human sized banana banana for a, ban- a giant giant banana? Split? I know a hotel and in the two, Catskills. How are you going to have sex in that? <laughs> I know a guy. But, <laughs> but on Ambien, it made sense. It, on Ambien, it was a hundred percent the most logical possible thing you could have done. You know, you're born, you go to yeah. school, you pay taxes, you fucking a giant ice cream sundae, <laughs> you die. Exactly. Have you ever? Have you woken I'm up? Okay with that. And, that and sounds been, great. So freaked out about your dream that you start collecting no, no, your passport not. and you're starting to kind of plan your way out of the country, <laughs> and then you're like, "Wait a minute, my wife's here. Everything's right. cool. Everything's like, cool. What, what you know? Like I've, I've had those dreams where you wake up and you're like, I've murdered everyone that I know. And I'm, f- I have I'm to 50 run. years old and I still have dreams that I went to the wrong yeah, class, you know, <laughs> like in high school and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there were some wild nights and stuff where I was drunk as fucking driving, and I'm like, 
did I hit somebody? Did I? Do, oh, I oh, hope yeah. to God I don't. Yeah. You know, or you go out and you're looking at your car. I'm like, I hope there's no fucking bodies. <laughs> so when I was uh, no blood, was, no, that's good, that's good. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had I wanted to watch the Daytona 500, and I watched like the first half of it, and then I had homework to do, and I went I'd, like I I turned the TV off, and like didn't watch the news or anything. I was a kid, you know. I cared about the Daytona 500 and cartoons at that point. Fair game, yeah. And. uh I wasn't whatever I was watching. Anyways, I did my homework. I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and I'm like, Dad, I had a dream that Dale Earnhardt died. And my dad's oh. like, Yeah, Dale Earnhardt died at the end of the Daytona 500 yeah. yesterday. Oh, no. Yeah. And I didn't have my teeth. Like, I don't know if I had my TV on or yeah, what. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You're not a psychic. No, I don't think I'm a psychic. We'll rule that out right now. No, I'm not saying I'm a psychic. I'm just saying it was a weird dream, oh, and yeah. I think I must have somehow had the TV on. Oh, or yeah. I was but. I was playing in a band many years ago, and like I had this big red mohawk, and I just dyed the hair, you know. And I and and my wife had bought at my current my ex wife at the time had bought brand new like 600 count white sheets. Oh. So I come home from the gig at like four in the morning. I'm drunk. I take a shower. Yeah. And I go into bed, and I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, I've murdered something. Yeah. Like the whole everything it was, was everything red, was everywhere, red. and yeah. then. Of course, she wakes up and it's like basically murdered me. And you owe me a set of sheets. Yeah, right, pal. exactly. Yeah. At that point, yeah. reminds point. me of a joke. Well, this so this one time at away. band camp. <laughs> <laughs> now I know how it got that name. Well, since we're going to be throwing these sheets away, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, these are officially the Shark Week sheets. Those are the Shark Week sheets. Oh yep. man, yeah. All you people that have wives that are premenopausal, you'll get that joke. The uh, anyone else will remember it fondly. The when I'm thinking about like the modern <laughs> motorcycles, and when you think about like why are they cutting corners? Why can't I buy the bike that had everything that bike had in 1980? Goddamn four. Well, you know, I make the 35 argument years all the time ago that motorcycles really haven't come that far. When well, you can go back and look at bikes made in 1935. Sure. The, my prime example is the AJS V4 liquid right. cooled supercharged. That bike went 150 mile an hour. Right. So what yeah. have we really done since 1970? And, and like I said earlier, what have you done for me lately, Eddie? Well, you know, yeah, because that was a truly great bike, mm-hmm. and it probably bankrupted the company. Yeah. You are definitely, yeah, and that's and that's exactly it. But you could still buy bikes that have all those features on them. Yeah, but. It's not going to have the longevity. Right. No, because it's a very good bike. It's not right. a great bike. And everything's great for a short while. But are there any great bikes out there right now? That's what I'm saying. That's the it's, tough. It's and too expensive to sell. Well, you know. But are there? Well, and we start to look at stuff and go, okay, well, what's going to be What's going to be all of the stuff? What's going to be super low maintenance? What's going to be long lasting? Honda. A, a ST, ST1300. Honda. Goldwing. Honda. Like, yeah. Oh, Hondas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, it's going to be a Honda. Royal right. Enfield yeah, I mean, <laughs> Not going to happen. It's going to talk to really me, it is. Right. right. But even yeah, if but you did take, the, if you took the modern Royal Enfield, six, the twins, so you take the modern Enfield twins, which everybody loves, or the Himalaya, which people are giving very high props to, you take all that and say, okay, well, but I got to own it for 15 years. I got to own it for 20 years. Yeah. Look at how many yeah. cars that have been voted as like, Motor Trend Car of the Year mm-hmm. in previous years right. that you look at now and you're like, but that thing is a piece of shit. The, the Vega, Renault Alliance. Yeah, the yeah. Renault Alliance, the right. Vega, which right. was a good car hamstrung by a lot of issues. But that they was were a car that was good crap. at first. Yeah, right. with yeah. J.D. Powers. Oh, shit. I don't trust yeah. anything. Those were not bad cars. We drove the shit out of them. It's they the got great gas mileage. Well, I think when it comes to motorcycles, and we have to say that in the garage, I have co- I've got to say, is it going to work right for me? Because... If you are a if okay, so if your gun rack has got 
10 motorcycles in it. So your arsenal or your stable or whatever, you've got six or seven or eight motorcycles. Well, how many of, look, how many bikes do you got, Chris? What are you up to right now? I'm currently four. You're at four, right? So if you rode each of those bikes 2,000 miles a year, right. that would be a lot of miles. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's 8,000 miles <clears throat> on just two wheels. And we, frankly, don't have the season for that. Uh, if there were, if I decided I was going to have, you know, five or six bikes that I'm going to ride exclusively, I mean, I rode that police Harley Davidson a lot last year. I mean, I, I rode it a very good amount and I put 4,100 miles on it. So at 4,100 miles on that, and then 10 bikes were sharing all the rest of my miles. So that's only 4,000 miles on that bike for a year. So, okay, if it lives 10 years, that's 40,000 miles. That's not exactly like, ooh, you're fucking impressing me, pal. Mm-hmm. Half the bikes that come into my shop have got 40,000 miles on them. So what is the build standard? So when you say, okay, Mr. Consumer, I'm going to try to help you out. I'm going to build the bike I, that you want me to build for you. Yeah, in uh, the United States of America, a lot of people have more than one fucking bike. Like... Hoffert, what was your what was the bike you put the most miles on this year? What do you think you which which one of your bikes do you think you put zero the zero right? How many miles you got on it right now? Yeah, almost eleven thousand. Almost eleven thousand over three years. Over three years, right? But, then, so but thirty-five and change. Right? I have six thousand on my Africa Twin, exactly, and that's new. And that's no, well, that's two years old. Okay, but yeah. That's I have six thousand on the Africa Twin. So it's weird. Like I have you're like over three thousand miles on my monkey. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Monkey miles should count double. When did you get that? Monkey like, miles should count triple. I have a thousand yeah. on my. I have a thousand on my uh, my super cub. And how your many, super. Cub. How many on your passport? And <laughs> ten thousand miles on my passport. Right. Get the fuck out but of how many miles yeah. do you do you drive to work? What's your round trip run on that? I mean, you're out what you're 30, out 30 miles yeah. out to Omar, over yeah, right? Yeah, 60. I mean, but my and my route 60 for my, times for my five, plants. Yeah, five, that's my 362. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you're doing 3 to 400 hours or miles a week. Yes, exactly. And yeah. and you So run, you're putting you, 20,000 a year. But he's riding yeah, an put, extended no, I put 15, season. 15,000 miles on a year. Right. That's what I, I added them all up and you I did. put 15,000 miles on, on bikes or on bikes. Bikes and cars. And then cars so you're 15k across just your bikes. Just my bikes. And wow. I, I was there I, until this year. Yeah. I was still, I was probably doing 10 to 15 yeah. a year on my bikes, and then this year kind of slowed down. But uh, on the BV, I put 3,500 miles on that in mm-hmm. whatever. In know. a few months. Yeah. 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 It is interesting. Since I closed that East Side shop down, I don't get anywhere near the fucking miles I used to because it was 110 miles just to go to work and back. Yeah. So that that shut my miles down a lot. And uh, today I was riding the Zero FXS today riding it a lot doing all my errands on that bike because we we're starting to go back down to being normal winter climate and i got to miss a lot of that so when you guys were like hey so good 60 degrees let's go ride bikes i was in fucking quebec being stupid 12 degrees uh but quebec. yeah the uh i was riding that fxs around today and i was like i'm going to get in trouble <laughs> because it accelerates so quickly and it stops so quickly so it's like playing a video game where everything is either maximum throttle or maximum braking, and there is nothing marbles. in between. What's that? On marbles. On marbles. <laughs> it's just like because I was salt. I mean, yeah, not a whole salt. lot of traction. Me, I was like yeah. every corner they put down like ninety two. Oh, I was slipping and sliding all over the place. I was very much. There's no tire, heating the tire up today. 
there was nothing like getting enough adhesion to overcome the slippery road. But like on a video game, yeah. you can always respawn. Yes. <laughs> you can respawn, yeah. I was doing... Yeah, I just was, go spend a year in the hospital and you'll right. come right back. I was running errands. anything once. Yeah. yeah, I was running errands on the bike and definitely acting like a jackhole. And everywhere I did, I was, oh, I was like... <laughs> I was super mowing today. I was very proud to be super motarded. And I was stupid. I was super motarded like a fucker today. And any chance I had, I was like, oh, we need to go to the bank? Fuck yeah, we'll go to the bank. And I cut all of my fucking errands down to individual trips. So I was like, post office? <laughs> Can do. And I would yep. just get bigger backpacks on. So I would just take a larger backpack or a larger messenger bag. And I was riding around like a freaking idiot. But I violated all the rules. I, the safety gear was what I'm wearing. Um, you know, the British flat cap. And uh, you know the, the the safety squints, and and that was and a pair of gloves, and and I was having so much fun today, because today was go out and play day, and it was just you know set the thing to to sport, go fuck off wildly, and that's exactly what I did all day. And Don't dress for the ride, dress for the slide. I was freaking being a tard. I there was no getting around. I was just a jackass today. There was today was purely. Yeah. I really thought Let's I had be one. Honest, that's probably not a big departure from what hey. you were doing yesterday. <laughs> and the day. That today is the reason why people get in crashes. We yeah. had a customer coming today that too just giddy. too t- giddy over a nice day. And oh, like, he totaled <laughs> his bike out hard, and it was just because yesterday the weather was so nice, and he had to go out and he had to go ride. I noticed that this week, as soon as the weather kind of dropped, even yeah. though it was like a day after it had just snowed and like all the salt yeah. was out, yeah. every dude on a sport bike that had temporary plates yeah. was out on the Oh, thing. yeah. Absolutely. And I wonder how many went down. Like, I, it has to be a massive Like number. I said, we had one. So we have one okay. customer that yeah. we know for a fact. One confirmed kill. Yeah, one confirmed kill. Confirmed kill. And today, when I was riding around. You got to put the bike down, too. Like, put it down like the way you put down a horse, because once it's tasted blood, it won't stop. <laughs> won't stop. That bike it's like a dog. Once blood. it becomes human aggressive, right. there's no. It's, there's it's no fine if your bike is road aggressive, yeah. but if your bike is human yeah. aggressive, you've got to put it down. <laughs> I did a lot of that. I did a lot of threshold breaking today where I was like, okay. Because the uh, so the zeros have ABS that is almost too good on the back. So the rear ABS sometimes you want the back of the bike to come around, and you realize that you could put your foot on that rear prep pedal standing up on the bike, and you're never going to get that back tire to skid. And it always feels like the back fucking rear brake lever is just made of wood. Like it never feels like oh this is totally modular and I'm going to get this. It's going to be great. As long as that ABS system is activated, the rear brake is not a tool that you can use for turning. Well, the fronts, too. You could squat, yeah. squish down on the front brake as yeah. hard as you want, and you're not going to skid that front. No, there. because of the like the way the right. bike is designed. The way That's th- exactly how it should work. I was going to say. No, but I think it doesn't. I think it's a little bit too, it anticipates the slide too early. Yeah, I Because I, wrote, I don't think it gives you as good a braking as it could possibly I did some pretty you. aggressive ABS testing. Uh Insider baseball bullshit. So Vespas, the new Vespa scooters, all these 300s that you see out there, these HPEs, they've had a little bit of a break. Uh, we're going to call it like a kerfuffle. They've, they've just had a little bit of a break anomaly. And consult your dealer if you own an HPE or check the recall paperwork that might have arrived in your mailbox. <laughs> or if you had some recall paperwork arrive in your mailbox, Pay don't, attention to don't, it. don't wait a lot round. It's not junk mail. Go talk to your dealer. <laughs> 
Um, we'd like you to have brakes on your motorcycle. So uh, your scooter well, to be should fair, stop. They do have brakes. They're just they're just closer to the handle than you remember them. <laughs> you know, and uh, we've been doing a lot of these jobs. We've been doing a lot of these repairs. But one of the things that you do on the Vespas is they have a really smart ABS system. They have a really, really super smart traction control system, the ASR system. And it's made by the Germans. And <laughs> it does work really fucking well. But here's the thing is the, you have to recalibrate it. So every time you replace the rear tire or every time you do anything with the system, you do have to recalibrate this traction control system. And if you have a motorcycle and you've changed the rear tire or you've changed the chain or you've mm-hmm. changed the sprocket, you might probably have to reset your traction control system. So be familiar with your owner's manual and know when you see a little icon on the dashboard that says like traction control or a, mm-hmm. you know, ASR or whatever the, the nomenclature is. Sometimes if you can see the icon, that means your traction control is working correctly. Sometimes if you can see the icon, that means your traction control is not working correctly. And familiarize yourself with your particular owner's manual because on the Vespas, if the ASR LED, it's not even LED, it's just the the letters ASR. If the letters ASR are illuminated or active on the LCD panel, that means you don't have it. (laughs) So the fact that it's there means it isn't. Right. So the evidence of lack of existence is the word being present. Thank you. <laughs> Good to know. Can you Good run that know. by me one more time? <laughs> yes. The evidence of the lack of the system is the president, the presence of the letters ASR. Yes. All right. Okay. So if the dashboard is clean, your ASR system is working. But if it says ASR, but if the word that ASR, means it's not in your bike it's on your gauge exactly cluster. and the, the it's ASR, left the bike right. and is now when the gate has migrated <laughs> to the gauge cluster the asr that should be hanging out with your tires and wheels and shit is now hanging out on your in dashboard your gauge cluster. where it shouldn't be and if it, on the <laughs> dashboard it says asmr yeah then you have stereo headphones right. on and the bike's going i love you yeah. crinkle, 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 yeah. yeah you just have yeah <laughs> but not kidding and then if the asr is flashing that means that it's uh calibrating it's, it's, it needs to be calibrated so what i got to do today which is kind of my fun mission of the day was after we had done these brake upgrades to all these vespas i got to go out and reset the asr oh nice on all of them now the method is kind of funny because when the motor is running you press the asr button and the start button at the exact same time now, how do you do that? You just you just do it with your hand. Like, oh, but not not when you're going, just when it's running. No, sitting idle. Oh, okay, okay. Right. So okay. you're sitting idle, motors running, you're in neutral if, as it will because it's an automatic transmission bike, CVT bike. And you press and hold these two buttons until you see the ASR thing start to flash. And then when the ASR thing starts to flash, you have to get up to 19 miles per hour, not 20, 19 miles an hour for 10 seconds. 1.21 gigawatts. Exactly. And at 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some shit. So you do drive the bike for 10 seconds at 19 miles an hour, again, analog speedometer, so do your best, and then it then the ASR light goes out, which tells you it's working. It's left the gauge cluster, it it's now in the, the bike. Gauge. Right, the, 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 the mojo. The mojo, right. The uh, ASR fairies have left the dashboard, and now they're in the wheels where they belong. You sound so happy talking about this, because you've been so... yeah. I, I've never heard someone yeah. motherfuck a Vespa 300 I've been as much so as angry at these things for the past the brakes, six months. And right? now it's fixed yeah. now. Right. Yeah. That's wonderful. We have tried everything. And I think podcast listeners will admit that we have tried everything to get these fuckers to go right. 
and Vespa has sent us some parts that will do nothing. So what was it? So you, I guess I'm, I, I must have been sleeping. So like, yeah. did you have to, up, was it like a Bluetooth update or was it a part? No. So what they've done is they send us some parts that are basically a bleeder valve. Oh. So they sent us a bleeder valve to install on the top of the uh, brake line. Okay. You know, like uh, some modern motorcycles, some Ducatis, Moto Guzzi's, they'll have bleeder valves where you don't expect to find them hmm. because bubbles go up. Right. Right. So it's actually a pretty smart thing to put bleeder valves up here. As opposed to down on your fucking calipers. So you can kind of just crank it, let yeah. it go for a while. Yeah. And, and the, the arrow should get out of it, right? right? So, Or you can undo each of your fittings. Yep. And you bleed, got it. bleed each fitting all the way from the bottom up to the top. All the way to the bottom of the top. That's exactly right. So it should give you the best brake bleed you've ever had. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, I'm not even certain this is going to work. <laughs> because everything that we've done up to this point has been a heroic method of bleeding brakes. Right. We've taken this to NASA levels of brake bleeding technology <laughs> to be rewarded with a soft lever five days later. <laughs> Again, the brakes don't ever go all the way away, mm-hmm. but they go most of the way away, and that's fucking disconcerting. Yeah, right. So after five days, yeah. they do they fade uh, linearly down to nothing? Yeah, well, I wouldn't call it linearly. So when we do the trick... When Is we it do more like a bell curve? Yeah, it is. So when you do the job, so let's just say your mission today, should you choose to accept it, is I've given you one of these new bikes. And one of these new bikes that has, you know, it's brand new out of the crate. Nobody's ever ridden it before. It's fine. And you're going to jump on the bike. You're going to ride it around for a day or two. That's great. You're going to park it in your garage. And you're going to go out to the bike on day one. It's going to be fine. Day two, it's going to be fine. No big deal. You leave that thing for about five days or six days. Seventh day, you go out to use the brakes. And you're like, wow, that front brake lever is getting really close to the grip. A little closer than I'm comfortable with. And unfamiliarity, like you want to know your bike. Of course you you do. You want to know it. And my whole world is a two finger. Like I'm a guy that sets every brake and every clutch up on every bike I have to be operated with two fingers. And the point is, if I can't use your brake at two fingers, we have a problem, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to be doing everything I can to achieve that. So with this, there was no way you could have used a two-finger brake. You'd be crushing the other two fingers on your hand. So you had to just the full crab claw, man. You needed to just grab the thing with a whole monkey grip and go for it. And what happened is the brakes got soft. So we tried, you know, power-assisted brake bleeders. Didn't even know that was a thing until a little while ago, and I bought one. Um, Did all these things. And I loved the way that people that were in the the guiding department of these companies were like, oh, what did you use to bleed your brakes with? I used, I took the complete system off. Yeah. I put everything. I immersed the entire thing I in loosely fluid. assembled it, <laughs> immersed it in a sonic cleaner full of brake juice for six hours, tightened everything up, submersed right. in brake yes. juice, yes. and then installed it on the bike. You did that wrong. Fuck you. That wasn't thorough enough. Whatever you didn't do, that's what you should have done. Exactly. And that's what happened. And, you know, for me to ever say, I could bleed the brakes on a goddamn NASCAR with a 12-foot-long piece of hose and a fucking $9 can of brake fluid and achieve braking greatness, right? And I could achieve the same level of braking that they use at American Airlines to stop 747s, (laughs) right? I placed the entire brake system in an absolute vacuum. Right. And then yes. filled that vacuum. I went to Bell Labs, <laughs> and we, yeah. But that wasn't good enough. And so then I purchased the thing they told me if I wasn't using this toy that I bought that, that oh. literally runs, you know, an air compressor toy. They got you on a farkle. They got me on a farkle. 
Right? They sent me after a MacGuffin. And I got my MacGuffin. I got my Farkle. And we, bre- we bled the brakes with it. And we were like, oh, we've achieved greatness. Check it out. It fucking works. It worked exactly the same way as I did it using a piece of tubing, right? The old-fashioned way. The literally old-fashioned way. And then it wasn't like, then it was, oh, you did the thing we told you to do? You used the part we told you to buy? Yeah. We used the machine we told you to buy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, those don't work either. <laughs> Does it make yeah. sense? Oh, I yeah. see what you did there. I see what you did there. Can, can Air be introduced another? Do you, if I mean, you know, here's my thing. You know what? Steve, my statement has always been, with shitty castings, anything's possible. Because, I mean, a por- porous casting would do that. Uh, but, I mean, after five days, you would yeah. think, is it permeable? I mean, is there some yeah. type of permeable? It's bizarre, permeable isn't it? Yeah, it's a really, really weird thing. I and mean, even tires lose air over time, yeah. so maybe somehow right. something, you know. I just think that I've had an ongoing belief that's unpopular, is that, you know, fitted to the handlebars of these motorbikes, for a very, very long time, there was a master cylinder that had the word Gramecca on it. And it was made in Italy, and it would stop on a dime and give you eight cents back. And it was just a goddamn good master cylinder. And two fingers on that freaking lever was all you needed to skid the front tire. And then over the past, I don't know how many years, it just got worse. And it got to the point where I would be prepping a bike, and I'd go out, and I would crush that front lever with everything I had uh, and still not be able to skid the front tire. And that was before any ABS systems were on the bike. And I just found that I think that it was already just, had an ABS. Yeah, system. it was an anti-braking system, as we say. And I just think that it was the quality of parts that had dropped because the parts were coming from different sources. They didn't say Gromeca on the top anymore. The casting didn't look as good anymore. The part didn't look as good anymore. Have you tried putting a Honda master cylinder? Well, on? and you know that was that's <laughs> the joke is I was like, well, here's what I can tell you is I can jump on my 2006 Vespa that's a 250cc and has hojillions of miles on it. Grab the front brake, and I know the fluid in there is at least five years old. I know the brake pads have at least 30,000 miles on them, and I can do all that, and the front brake will nearly throw me over the handlebars. And I can grab a brand new bike that has 2,000 miles on it and grab the handlebars, the brake as hard as I want, and there's no chance of locking up the front wheel. No ABS. So that's where we talk about components. We talk about the quality of stuff and how it needs to be good. And when you cut corners, you got to cut them carefully. And I invite anyone to take the Pepsi challenge on that one. You know, grab, grab a, a Vespa that's got a... You know, an 06, an 07, or 08, try the front brakes and then try a modern one, try the front brakes. So you're not on the hook for this. The company's on the hook for it. You've done everything you can. You can do whatever. You've done any service bulletin. You've, I mean, this Here's is, what we've got. This isn't a problem you can fix. We've fixed these three times. So there's been three different recommended methods to fix this problem. And we've fixed each one to their specifications. We did it. We did it again. We did it again. We did it again. We used three or four different methods. And now this isn't on a bike. This is on all the ones that are lined up in my showroom. And this is on all the ones that we sold to customers out in the field. So those all got to come back in and we got to fix them all. So how much does this cost? And then why couldn't they have just done it right in the first place? Well, I don't think they've even figured out. Costing? I don't even think, I don't even think they've figured out what they did wrong in the first place yet. Because right. what they've done is they've thrown us these you know, an, another bleeder valve to install. Right. So I don't. I still think they're throwing darts at a dartboard. Mm. I think that maybe down the road, maybe a year from now, we're going to see, okay, we need to get all those bikes back in and you're going to install this new caliper. Mm. 
or you're going to install this new master cylinder. Now, when that happens, you yeah. charge them for hourly rate. Well, this is the crazy thing is like all of the experiment, because you know, I'm not going to sell a bike to you if the brakes aren't working right. 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 So I'm going to make John, our mechanic, rebuild that fucker. <clears throat> right. So I'm going to be like, oh shit, man, these brakes suck. John, go ahead and take these back and hit it. Now, I'm going to have to be super vigilant to file a warranty and claim. And I'm going to say, well, it needs a new master cylinder. Right. And I'm going to put the same master cylinder on it that was already on it, yep. and it's going to do the same thing. The same eventually. goddamn thing again. Yep. And it's going to drive us mad. And then and I'm going to say it needs to be a caliper. Right. And I'm going to replace the caliper. You got it. And it's going to do the same thing. Yep. And then I'm going to replace it because I'm getting the and same we stole, parts. We stole parts off of bikes on the floor mm. that we assumed were good <laughs> because they hadn't developed the symptom yet. Right. But then we took the parts off the bike we call, we called good. We put those on, and then like a week later, it has the same symptom. So do you bill yeah. Vespa? For well, that? we can. So that's the crazy thing about warranties. So don't, uh, don't ever talk to a dealership about warranty claims because that's a real good way to end a fight or end a conversation in a fight mm. because we can, put as, we can put through as many as we want. They're only going to pay out what they think they should. Mm. And so we might have six or eight hours into a single bike trying to get the brakes to work right. right. They might authorize one hour. Oh. Yeah. So it, it, you do not eat the bear in those situations. The bear eats you. And that's just a really tough thing. And then especially when they try three or four times to get the fucking thing right, right. and yet you've done it three or four times, well, that cuts into your ability to, like, I don't know, fix other motorcycles for people who do pay their bills. Right. You know? I'm sitting there looking at 10 or 12 motorcycles that need to be worked on, but we got to do these other things first because those people already bought their bikes and they deserve our attention. Right. So tough, tough game to be in, man. It's, it's super weird. So you mentioned something in passing, yeah. joking. Yeah. That uh, I wanted to touch on. <clears throat> you mentioned your riding gear for today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was it you called? You referred to your eyeglasses as? My safety squints. Your safety squints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I peruse, I write one at least one story every day for HD forums. Right. And at least twice a week, I go into the forums and see what people are talking about. Because right. usually there's a really cool build thread. Okay. As forums go, it's actually probably, it's my favorite Harley forum. Sure. Really good mix of tech, really good mix of people. No one is afraid to ask what they think is a stupid question. And what's great about that. There you go is that yeah. most of the time, it's not a stupid question. It's a valid question. If it got asked. And someone was talking yeah. about uh, safety eyeglasses. Yeah. We have special pants to wear. We have special boots to wear, special yeah. gloves. There Are there special safety eyeglasses to wear on a yeah. motorcycle? Because you're looking at not just visibility and right. safety in terms of protecting your eyes, but crash survival. Yep. Of the lens and the frames and stuff, because oh, yeah. you don't want to, you don't want frames poking you in the face. Right. Worse yet, you don't want lenses poking you in the eye. I guess I would have to go for ANSI, right? Like I would go with polycarbonate. I mean, you right. have to have polycarbonate. Uh, yep, because a lot of safety glasses are glass. Right. We should call my niece. But, she works at Lenscraft. Oh, she does. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but I'm these, sure she would say something yeah. like shattered. They're shatterproof right. lenses. Yeah. There's all and mine are the stuff. same thing. Like they they fold yeah. out a lot. They. They spring out. They got reverse sprung temples, so they're probably not going to jab you and kill you. But the lenses are polycarbonate. Uh, the glasses that I wear, now that I've admitted the fact that I do need binocular vision, uh, fucking, you know, when I had to admit that I need bifocals, otherwise I can't see the speedometer. So I can see the world, but I can't see the speedometer. Kit was running around with the dog and one of the nephews on uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. And she bought it. And her glasses split right at the seam. Really? Hit her in the eye. Oh, man. And she, she looked like somebody just axe murdered. <gasps> man. Her face was entirely covered in blood. Her, her entire face was covered in blood. Oh, my God. Her whole chest was covered in blood. 
both her hands were because she was hold, trying to hold it. She was holding her hand. She was, she was and she wasn't hurt. I mean, she and would she catch an eyebrow? She caught, yeah, right yeah. up here. They bleed like a son of and a that's, bitch. And I'm telling you, that's yeah. that's the concern with but these that's guys. That's why I think your yeah. glasses. That's you're right. That yeah. the spring out the frames that spring temples go yeah. in either yeah. way. I mean, that makes a big difference because if they get pushed back, they're not just going to snap. Everybody who rides HD, they all know about KDs, man. KDs. Cool dudes. They're by Pacific uh, Sunwear or something. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Wastewater. Pacific Pacific sunglasses. But yeah, they're uh, the KDs have been around for about a thousand years. Like, you know, I, I think Jesus wore KDs. Pretty sure of it. And even KDs have now started making cheaters. So KDs now have a bifocal. So the whole top of the thing just is just... matching their demographic. Exactly, totally. Yeah. And they're playing <laughs> to their demographic, and I own like three pair of them. And so you can get them in tinted, or you can get them in clear with the bifocal. And the thing with KDs is they do have an ANSI rating, so you can use them at your workshop, you can use them wherever you want. And KDs are the official like Sons of Anarchy style, you know. I like I like the fact that these guys were discussing whether or not their eyeglasses were safe to go, but they didn't right. talk about helmets. No, 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 that's what he was saying. He was saying <laughs> so this was the, the thread started as such that I'm less concerned about my eyeglasses when I'm wearing my full face helmet. Right. But when um, I'm wearing a modular helmet yeah. or a half helmet. Right. Because I guess or this no was a guy helmet. that had Right. No, I mean, the guy was saying he always wears a helmet, yeah. but sometimes he likes to wear a half helmet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his concern was about crash crash survivability yeah. with your eyeglasses on a half helmet. Now, I know that something like 40% of facial injuries yeah. happen below your nose, happen to your jaw. Yeah. You're... So you'll never catch me in a half helmet. Right. But if it's a Harley guy and they're putting on any helmet whatsoever, well I am not going to tell them, no, that's wrong, because then they'll stop wearing a helmet. So... I think it was an interesting discussion about about what'll happen to your eyeglasses because you know I'm sure you know most most of our eyeglasses are fine if we trip if we slip on the ice and fall over and eat shit. It's the first time I've ever had the right helmet at the podcast for the discussion we're having. No kidding. Any other time I've had the wrong helmet. If Oscar's like, "Do you have your Isle of Man helmet here?" I'm like, "No, I don't. It's at home." So this is. If Phil sounds weird, you're standing yeah. up away so from the mic. So this is the icon. So the icon helmet here. So Icon did this. In a is that a design of, you can buy? Yeah. Well, used to. So a friend of mine did this uh, artwork design here, and it's the statistics. Yeah. And uh, what these are is this is an Icon airframe, which is a pretty good helmet in and of itself. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty high-end helmet, fairly high-end helmet. And then the, uh, the graphics on it are pretty wonderful because they are chopped up like a, you know, like a pig. Like a butcher's chart. Like a butcher's chart. Yeah. And the butcher's chart gives you the statistics from the latest crash studies on helmet impact and its percentages therein. And if you look, the highest number on the entire helmet, and if you add all these numbers up, they come up to 100, obviously. But the highest number is the right lower jaw area and the right lower jaw area is 19.4 percent if you add the left it's 15.2 percent so you can see the vast majority of impacts tend to happen in the part of the helmet that only exists on about 30 percent of the helmet sold so the lower jaw area is a very high number yeah, it I mean, looks like it looks like from the top and everything you'd be you'd be better with a chin halo. You would. Then the top f- of your head, right, is only one half of one percent. So percent. So let's the back. Let's, what about your, yeah, you the yeah. back of your head? Back of your head. Uh, they divide into quadrants. So five point seven on the right, 
and 6.4 on the left. Upper top is 6.5 and 6.1, so coming about 12%. So we need to we need to go back to that that classic story about uh, bombers, where they were trying to decide where bomb in World War II where bombers needed more armor, and they 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 looked at all the bombers that came back, right? Yeah, and and they said, well, this is where they were hit, and ah, so that's where we need to put. This is where they're getting all the hits, so that's where we need to put the armor. Yeah, and then some really smart person said, (laughs) no, that's the last place we need more armor because these ones are making it. They made it back. They're surviving. We need to look at all the places where they weren't shot because that's where the other ones are getting shot and not making it back. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering if it's because only thirty percent of helmets are sold yeah. with their why it's what was right. it 35 percent almost 34.8 yeah, yeah, yeah. percent yeah. according to that you got it so yeah, you don't I get the measures of ones that had an accident right. but didn't have that lower so, part on it yeah well they said that exactly with helmets too when helmets first came out like a, a good helmets back in the day they said that they're not working look at this look at all these injuries that we have coming in like there's 50 percent more injuries coming at the hospitals with people wearing helmets yeah it's 50 percent more people surviving. surviving right so yeah they are injured but they're here yeah right so, so you have to you have to check where the bullet holes are on the bomber to determine where you don't need the armor. And we chucked yeah, it right. but we had a we had a couple of helmets here at the shop that had gone through 100 plus mile per hour crashes and one of them was uh there was a helmet I was wearing when I went down. It was around 93 to 100 miles per hour. Jesus. And it was the whole chin assembly, the whole chin area of my helmet was chewed up on the left-hand side, including the visor. And the visor was, the, the visor, the lens of the visor was melted into the plastic of the helmet. Couldn't even open the visor. And then all up the whole left-hand side of the helmet. And then I did quite a bit of tumbling. So then once I did quite a bit of tumbling, then there's a lot of impacts that are scattered around the helmet. So I collected a lot of different hits. I mean, we couldn't even count how many hits were on that helmet. A lot of data on that one. A lot of data on that particular helmet. And then we had another helmet that we had one of our customers go off on well over 100 miles per hour. And uh, he survived. And he had a number of body injuries, like all kinds of broken bones and everything else. But he was one of those guys that... He came in and he proudly gave us the helmet. Like we had sold him the helmet a week before the crash. Jeez. Yeah. So well, prior not, to that, I'm not buying a helmet from you. Well, prior to that, the guy was like a shorty helmet only kind of guy. Oh, like the skid lid. A skid lid guy, right? So prior to that, he was like two up on the sport bike, and he's on a sport bike that goes 160 miles an hour. Because if I do this, I don't know if you guys yeah. know this about DOT approval on helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say. I can put a DOT sticker yeah. on this and sell that. I'm putting my credit card on the mm-hmm. very top of my head yeah. and put a strap on it, yeah. and that's legal. Because the way the DOT requirements are um, it's like the, enforced it's is like, you have to test yourself. It's oh, a yeah. claim. It's self-testing. No, it's basically right. like the lollipop at the store where it asks you to put a quarter in yeah. if you take one. Right. You it's, an honor system. it's an honor system. That? Be my guess. It is an honor system, and that's the biggest thing with helmets. So when yeah. you do get into a helmet, some people will go into getting a helmet, and they'll just go... Price is the king. Other people will say, I'm going to get a helmet that tests out very well. Well, that's the thing, too. Yep. And, like, pe- like, of all the things to skimp on, a helmet's not one. I remember back in the stupid days, yeah. um, this dude had a low-grade HJC direct, sure. and he had all kinds of trauma. Right. Two weeks later, I worked at North Shore Yamaha, and I had bought um, an Arai, like, RX7-something-something, mm-hmm. something, whatever. Like eight, yeah. It was like a $900 helmet. I got it for 500 with my Absolutely. discount, whatever. Yeah. And that's when I went over on a stoppie at 105 and I did all kinds of crash tests on that. You did a stoppie. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, no. He started a stoppie at 105. Let's, let's rewind yeah. the tape. 
you attempted a, a you stoppie. initiated your I was, stoppie. I sucked at, at, I sucked at wheelies. I was never a good wheelie guy, but I was pretty good at stoppies. And I got to the point where I could consistently go faster and faster and do it. Yeah. And I got all hyped up with the guys on on route two going. Are you on crystal meth? No, just okay. just being stupid. Ambient. Ambient. Okay. <laughs> yeah, ambient. No, but I went over. I went over hard. I had my. I, it, it always did the same thing, and I'd feather it. I'd get it. You know, I'd pull hard, feather, get up, you had kind of feather it, you whatever. Had, you had to figure it out. And Scott stirring damper the whole nine. And this one time, I hit it, and it just went wrong. And I went right over, and I hit my head on you know the front and then the back. But the weird part was the back because after I flipped, I hit and rolled. <laughs> the back hit a lot harder and scraped a lot longer. But I was never so happy to have spent money. Mm-hmm. I had a Vance and leather jacket on. My knees and shit got fucked up. I broke my <laughs> collarbone and stuff because I had jeans on. Because you know, Janko's probably. <laughs> <laughs> you need hip surgery. Probably, yeah, you probably got the big flap. You probably I have got the no big, idea why I need hip surgery. The big leg of those. Off at 105 miles. Oh my god. No, but yeah. I'm telling you what, that was the best. That $500 was the best investment I made. It, we do see a lot of helmets around here that have been pretty fucking hard, and it is very interesting to see. I've got people that. We'll have a crash, and they'll take the helmet, and they'll be like, look. You know, they'll show me the damage on the helmet. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to throw that away now, right? Oh, yeah. Can you going to donate that? Still like, good? No, it's still good. Or look at it. It clearly worked. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it worked all right, pal. I can tell you, and if you yeah. had your helmet, you could yeah. check, too. The impact zone, the, that foam is it brittle. It's like it's almost it like an electric. It's yeah. almost like a chemical reaction or something. Yeah, and in uh, the MIPS, uh, the MIPS system now that people are going to the more of oh, a, yeah, yeah. that yeah. sort of that that skull system of uh, a different like helmet technology. I think is going to change a hell of a lot over the Sliding next ten point. years. I hope so. I think we're all going to be looking for. We're all going to be looking at a whole different way to protect our skulls, mm-hmm. and that's pretty good considering that. We only have one skull? Yeah, you've got one. <laughs> That's all you yeah, fucking all the, get. Yeah, all the replacement parts yeah. for your skull are NLA. <laughs> yeah. All I can say is, like, <laughs> and out of style. I think of, like, my football helmet yeah. back in 1989. Yeah, right? Yeah. The the leather? That, that, no. It was better than any motorcycle helmet there it is today. It had square cells all those little, mod, yeah, you know, like, right. things, like yeah. gel packs yeah. and everything. and. Yeah. But of course, it needed it because every every play it was helmet to helmet, bam, bam. You were getting bam, hit a hundred times bam. a game every yeah. time. You know, right. now didn't stop my tongue from going numb and not being able to speak and stuff. But the inside, I, mean, I can't remember what purple smells like. Exactly, but that helmet was. I'm like, yeah. that would have been. I don't was know. it first? Uh, at one point, yeah. <laughs> for a while, until yeah. I got kicked off the team for drinking on the sidelines. But that's another story. On the sidelines. You weren't drinking on the field. I don't see a problem with that. No, I was yeah. on the sidelines. I was on the sidelines with the cheerleaders. My Hold on. buddy came and he was talking with me. I wasn't. Uh, well, was like, hey, you want some beer? I'm like, were you over 18? Yes. See, enough said. You're an adult. You do what you goddamn want. So, uh, another thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's all right. I didn't realize the coach is up in the bar. <laughs> I was watching <laughs> your drink. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. That's no fun at all. Yeah. Um, your first offense? Yeah. And last. And last defense, yeah, apparently. You don't survive. <laughs> Zero that. tolerance for drinking on the sidelines. Yeah, no, no. So um, another thing that the – it was a, a Fortnite video, and he pointed out something about helmets mm-hmm. that I've never really thought of. You carry a lot of, like, your bicycle helmet rules with you when yeah. you get on a motorcycle. Okay. And the rule that you're always told, it's like uh, car accidents and sit in uh, child seats. They don't want to okay. risk anything with a kid. Okay. So if you get in a – if you back into another yeah. car in a parking lot – right. Or somebody backs into somebody you and you have a that child, child seat, seat in your car. Okay. You have to throw that child Get seat away. Get the fuck out of here. All right. Well, anyway. And it's the same thing with bicycle helmets. Yeah. If, if, if you drop the bicycle yeah. helmet on the ground, it's done. 
That only works out. in the showroom. If you drop a helmet in the showroom, you're paying for that motherfucker. But if right. I drop it on my bike, yeah, yeah it's good you're to go. It. Because he pointed <laughs> out, he <laughs> pointed out, mine tonight. It's a, yeah, he pointed out that you don't need yeah. to, it's not such a bad, you don't want to drop your helmet. No. But it doesn't ruin the helmet if you drop it because right. you're dropping it from waist height yeah. at whatever velocity at it zero reaches, miles per hour. at zero miles right. per hour. My center broke with nothing the fall. in it. <laughs> well, and they did they, they had they had other studies too like the whole i think we talked What's about this the before, dot rating of a center yeah but the whole like five year thing with helmets it really depends on what is where was the helmet stored like yeah. what do you yeah. wear it every day and you sweat it in it's it for the last it. like 15 years yeah just did pull you, the liner out and inspect it yeah i've had helmets to tell, like you turned to shit phone. on me and broke my fucking heart i've had really expensive helmets that i bought with the intention of being like, this is the coolest fucking helmet in the world. Mm-hmm. And then three, five, four, five years later, that thing just starts like turning into goo. Like the whole cover turns liquid, like because it's oh. like a rubitone finish or something weird. I've had the liners, like the black liner of the thing, just fucking disintegrate. Ugh. Like Marushan. I used to yeah. love Marushan yeah. helmets, and they yeah. don't import them anymore. Yeah, they don't. And I had that thing for, I, I mean, the liner was falling <laughs> out of it. I didn't want to get rid of it because oh, I yeah, loved dudes put, like, take the liner out and put a bandana inside the yeah. liner, like an old T-shirt where the liner used to be, and stuff. I'm like, how old is this fucking helmet? And you pull it, it out, you look at the sticker inside, and it's like from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the material was actually asbestos to keep it, it fireproof. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just I never really thought about that until he pointed out that if you don't trust your helmet to yeah. drop from waist height, how is it supposed to protect <laughs> right. me yeah. with 200 pounds in it at 105 miles an hour? At the point of impact. At yeah. the point of impact. It's not going to protect you anyway at that speed. At yeah, that speed. well, it, it protected sense. It depends right. on what you do. If yeah. you slam into a guardrail straight into it, no, it's not going to no, protect you. But It'll compact you right into it. It'll be oh, like... Right. Nice storage <laughs> vessel for your skull. Like space yeah. balls. <laughs> yeah. Easier to My mount on a My first helmet was a puke storage. bucket. It was at my brother's house, oh, yeah. and more than one person had vomited into it, and then oh. it had been washed out a couple of times. Oh. There was no liner at all left in it. It was just the oh. foam core floating around. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But yet, I still wore it because I was riding in the woods and yeah. stuff, and I kind of wanted to have some sort of yeah, helmet, I, I had no other means of helmet. A buddy yeah. of mine recently gave me one of my original helmets back because I gave it to him. I willed it. I bequeathed it to him. It was a Bell Star 80. So that gives you an idea of what helmet it was, because it was a Bell Star 80. That means it's like a 19, vintage 1983. And I, I had given it to him because he was too poor to buy a helmet. And I was at the, you know, the massive income level where I could start buying helmets that were off-brand. I could buy, cop, I could buy replicas. So I was, buy, I was riding a Taurus. Everybody knows anything about guns, you know what Taurus is. Mm-hmm. So I was riding a Taurus helmet at the time, which was a knockoff of a Shoei. It was a Brazilian-made copy of a Shoei helmet. And I had given this buddy of mine, this Bell Star 80 I had left over from ages ago. Like, give you an idea, it had no fear stickers on it. Oh, boy. And, yeah. Thermonuclear <laughs> protection, Oakley. Yeah. They were new, no fear stickers. And, yeah, and that dude recently was like, hey, man, you know, if you want to have your helmet back, you can have your helmet back. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want that fucking thing back. Not unless it's already been made into a lamp. It was roached <laughs> when I gave it to you, and I can tell you how many times that thing had hit the ground. So, right. so if my second helmet. Like that one right there, except blue. Oh, the Fulmer. Like the no, Fulmer the throwback. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. With the exact same pattern of the glitter inside yeah. the. Uh, oh, the extra glitter. Yeah. My yeah. second helmet was yeah. a Simpson. Yeah. Like the cool. Simpson a super ba- a super bandit. That, or a bandit. Yeah. Uh, it was black. It had yeah. like the whole like like the stig wears kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Looking. 
And that was one that my buddy, drag racing home, whose dad was a lieutenant, yeah, got from a crime scene where the guy, or not a crime scene, a crash <laughs> where the guy died and went off to the hospital and the helmet oh. was left around. And so it had a big, a big gouge on the side. Big gouge on the side of it. But hey, dude, it's a Simpson. That shit's badass. You wore a dead guy helmet. <laughs> yes. For years, well, you wore, so wait, I went you wore a puke bucket. You wore a puke dead bucket. guy helmet. For years, he was like, "What is this itchy thing over here?" And he finally pulls a tooth. There's another ear. Third helmet, like a condom helmet. Fucking hell, man! It was an age test. It was like, all right, there we go. This makes total sense. The third helmet is the one I have now. Your helmet now. <laughs> that I need to shit. That should have been replaced 20 years ago. Gross. <laughs> it really, I mean, we all, I mean, we all know the rules. We don't play by it. <laughs> Not by a long John's third shot. helmet was this football cup. He just like, <laughs> mounted <laughs> Just changed the location of the strap. I, uh, <laughs> I've definitely not been a good helmet person. No, and that's like, I mean, that's and I got, you know, thing. like I got my buddy Kevin, he's like, you really had to get a shoe berth. They're only right. about seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred bucks. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I mean, but you're like, that's four ascots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you're head, if that's if more than I paid for at least half of my motor. Well, you know a guy who has a parts unlimited titanium account or parts unlimited platinum account where you could literally grab the catalog and be like, yeah, I'll take one of those. The biggest problem is I have got a twenty gallon head. You do. So I can't really find anything quite big enough. Yeah, you're a triple X. Even at triple X, like mm-hmm. some of them, just I'm like. I can't even find anything. That's like yeah. gloves. I can't find a glove to fit my hand. Four X's don't fit my hand. No, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing. It, and with motorcycle gear in particular, if you're a 3X helmet, you could try on 15 3X helmets. There's one that might fit you. That's like all these companies in Europe that make stuff like Climb and all these people. Mm-hmm. They're 4X is L. Right. At, on best yeah. days. You Anything know? Italian... A 2X Italian is a medium and a large, like a medium and a half. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it works. And so that means, like, all your Nolan helmets, forget trying to put on a, like, for me, I wear a large, in a good quality racing helmet, for, like, a racer fit helmet, I'm a medium, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else, shitty helmets, I'm like a large. Mm -hmm. I put on a good quality Italian helmet, I had, that son of a bitch had Better be an XL, maybe a double extra large. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's no accounting for it. You've got to try the shit on. You try to buy a helmet online, well, you're a fucking no way to idiot. Do that. Yeah. So let's play a game. Let's play. So wait, I did do that once. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You're doing well. Keep playing. Keep, Keep going. going. <laughs> Keep going. I did. I did buy a helmet online once because I went to a motorcycle shop that shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Wasn't this one? I wouldn't do that to you, Phil. Mm-hmm. But it was right. a it was a motorcycle shop, uh, and I knew it was an HJCCL17. And uh, I didn't find any designs that I loved, and I happened to go on. I was like, I'll think about it. And I right. went online, and I saw, oh, last year's model right. of HJC CL17s that had this cool black and orange, or a blue and orange golf racing-inspired pattern. Hey, and it was about a third of the price. Right. And so I knew what size I wore, and I ordered it. And they mm-hmm. had free returns, but it ended up fitting perfectly. Excellent. So, so the game was to f- see if we could talk <laughs> long enough so Phil could finish doing his meat. Thank you. A little bit exactly. Like, that let's was give him a little breather. He's, like, they, he's they, had yeah. two slices of pizza sitting there that he hasn't even been able to touch. Podcast. Yeah. You'd think we could help out a it's little bit. It's a good thing I don't know? go hungry. Uh, has anybody watched the video yet of the Tesla being raced against the Zero? And the reason this is funny is, you know, for a while, we've been selling zeros here at the shop, and 
usually my part of my like when I'm giving people my patter, when I'm giving them the little you know little song and dance. One of the things I tell them is, look, you're on the zero SR, or you're on the zero SRF. If the vehicle pulls up next to you is making any sort of motor noise, you got them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's it's going to be you. All right, it's it's your day to shine. But if the vehicle that pulls up next to you isn't making any noise, eh. The only thing that beats electric is more electric, mm-hmm. right? It's some Dungeons and Dragons rule I can't figure out. But the only thing that beats an orc is another bigger orc, right? So when it comes to this uh, this particular thing, this Italian guy somehow managed to just the world and the universe lined up at the exact same time. And he drag ra- raced a Tesla S, which is all-wheel drive, game on, um, versus an SRF. And I'm going to make you watch the video. We're not going to ride it. We're not going to play the video now because that's the thing about watching electric vehicles race yeah, there's is the soundtrack it. sucks. Um, yeah. You better know a good, a good Foley artist because the sound of electric anything racing is just like, here they come, here they come, here they come. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Have you seen uh, Tesla Drag Racer on yeah, there? Yeah. The guy that goes and he's in the south and he yeah. races all these like big motor oh, yeah. like, cars yeah. and they pull up and laugh at the guy. Yeah. He pulls up in a Tesla, exactly. just a stock Tesla. Takes the baby seat out. Yeah. Right. Takes in, the baby seat out. Insanity mode. Right. Yeah. And goes next Press the button goes. for the insanity mode and away he goes. And I was very happy to see this particular race against the Zero SRF versus the Tesla. Real world conditions, you know, on a on our uh, disused airfield. And watching this go... Because clearly there's this point where it's like the first 20 feet of the race, the first 30 feet of the race, well, the bike doesn't weigh anything, right? Mm -mm. Compared to the Tesla car, which is not only a lot of batteries, but a lot of metal around those batteries. Metal. Metal. So the bike gets off to a really good start. But then the fact that the car has four wheels grabbing the earth at the same time and pulling it forward, the car does pull out to a bit of a lead. And then in the last about, I'd say in the last 50 yards... Of the quarter mile, the 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 zero just just gets past that Tesla. Really? Yeah, and so the zero wins. Uh, the zero SRF motorcycle does handily beat. That's a T-shirt. It is a T-shirt. The zero wins. Yeah, the zero wins. And so we've run the zero here against a lot of motorcycles on the down low and just for having fun and people that you know show up here or there or whatever. And electric motorcycles are. Just amazing. You don't want to do pinks. No, you don't want to do pinks. Against no. zero. No, you don't. And Didn't you mash an, uh, an H or two? An H2, or, yeah, yeah. We did an H2. So plus the zero's battery is way denser than mm-hmm. Tesla's battery. It is true. And your overall power to weight thing is everything. I mean, that's physics. When it comes right down to being fast in any given distance, it's all about physics. Plus zero does make ugly, weird trucks that look like <laughs> <laughs> somebody went crazy with a box of aluminum foil. What motorcycle guy you didn't see that? The ballistic profile of it? Well, hold on. What I'm going to say, I'll be the guy in the room. I'll be the asshole in the room. I saw the Tesla Cybertruck, and before I saw the amazing ramp system out of the back, mm-hmm. I was already intrigued because I like I like a weird I like a weird looking vehicle. I mean, I like things that don't look like everything else that exists. Go ahead. What were the vehicles in the one movie where they had these vehicles that were made for the apocalypse that had the three wheel drives? The movie was called Damnation Alley. Yeah, the vehicles you know. are called Landmaster One and Landmaster Two. And that's what Who I'm thinking when I see the when I, I see don't the know. But I, I think it was George Papard probably <laughs> um, yes. was not the director but the star. 
And then the Jan Michael Vincent uh-huh. was the, the guy he with the, the dirt, dirt bike. bike yeah, he had the dirt go. bike and the mannequin on the back. And the cockroaches. Right. And the okay. giant cockroaches and giant Still, scorpions. Uh, you can probably, you can yeah. probably explain this better than I can. Yeah. Somebody well. did a, uh, somebody kind of modeled the truck in, in some sort of 3D modeling mm-hmm. software. And they figured out that the ballistic profile of the mm-hmm. Tesla Cyber Cybertruck yeah. makes it the perfect Boogaloo pickup truck. I get it. Not a technical, not, not a anything technical. else. But for some reason, right. it's real easy to shoot at a, te- a Tesla Cybertruck. Right. I had trouble getting that one out. It's easy to shoot at a Tesla Cybertruck because it's a big truck. Right. It's a big target. It's easy yeah. to shoot at. But actually getting a bullet to puncture the Tesla yeah, it's truck, real hard. it's not bulletproof. Yeah. Right? It's the way it's shaped yeah. makes it really hard to it's penetrate like a, it. It's mm-hmm. like a really good exercise in sloped armor. Do you, yeah. do you yeah. see those yeah, on the pebble. rollout, though? The rollout thing was hilarious. But yeah. the pebble just... Well, the again, rollout was yeah, the reason like, they don't shoot you in the glass, you're fine. <laughs> the truck is so good and the glass is so great, I'm going to throw this steel ball on the truck. Yeah. He said the glass is bulletproof. <laughs> it, it is. You guys want to have some fun, I'm going to tell you guys a really super fun trick you can do. If you're a, if you're a bit of a mechanic, you might have some spark plugs <laughs> laying around your house. So if you have some spark plugs laying around your house, take one of them and break it. Okay, break the shit out of it with a hammer, with a hammer. The heavier, take, the better. It takes a good bit. Right. So just break a spark plug. And the ceramic part, that's the white part. And if you're like most people, probably the dark gray dingy part. But the white part that you broke is now broken ceramic. Now, the really fun thing about ceramic is it's crazy edgy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy edgy. And if you throw a broken spark plug at a side window... And if you throw, like my... Size piece of your fingernail, by the way. Seriously. It doesn't take much. You know, quarter inch or better. But if you throw, like my mom, who's 76 years old, you will shatter a car window with a piece of insulator from ceramic from a spark plug. And that's because the tempered glass is under tension all the time. So the other day, I'm going out to um, Warlord's favorite sport utility vehicle, the Land Rover Series 80. Does anybody here have any stupid comment they'd like to make about the toughness of a Land Rover Series 80, an FJ80? Or do we just kind of agree that it might be the vehicle that can go head-to-head with an M1 tank Wait, is it Land Rover or Land Cruiser? Land Cruiser. Land Sorry, Cruiser. Land Cruiser. Toyota Land Cruiser, yeah, okay. FJ80. Yeah, you confused us. Sorry, like, Wait a it happens that way. 40s, 60s, or 80s are all... Right. Yeah. So you got an FJ80, you might have the hardest vehicle on the planet. Yeah. You might have the... Right. So, John? I'm just I'm waving to the Oh, is camera. it still going? Um, so the FJ80 is seriously... The stuff I was scared of in, in Middle East, FJ80s. Right. So the other day, I'm getting ready to go on vacation with my wife. I go out in the garage, grab my Easy Pass out of the FJ80, take the Easy Pass off the dashboard, and shut the door, the driver's door. Do you know what happened? Glass shattered. My rear fucking window exploded. <laughs> rear window? Then. My rear window, which is, of course, tempered. Somebody threw a, is it because a of the... spark plug in it? No, the vacuum. I have no fucking idea, dude. Look, it's a 26-year-old FJ80. It has survived things. I have taken it off-road. I've done things with it. It just said, fuck this. At some point, I literally closed the driver's door. And I'm sitting in it at the moment. I get in. I shut the driver's door. I'm going to put the car in the driveway so it looks like we're home when we're not. 
And as I closed the driver's door, the rear goddamn glass out of the hatch just exploded. Just wasn't your day, Phil. It wasn't my fucking day. And I haven't cleaned it up or done anything because I just needed to buy a back window. So the good news is it's an old car. that It probably won't be that expensive. But <laughs> <laughs> they sold these in America. Okay. I'm okay. okay. Yeah, I'm okay. This, you know this is a car that they did sell stuff for. Right, Steve's right. fucked. If Steve loses a back window in his Toyota. It's going to be plexiglass and duct tape. <laughs> Honestly, glass, you would be surprised. Glass yeah. is one of the few things you can get pretty much anywhere in the world for any car. Ever right. Made. But shipping. No, that's, I mean, you can get it. Glass is big and glass is heavy. I try to ship motorcycle windshields to people in, you know, freaking, you know, Toledo, and it cost me $150. Yeah, but Canada. You have to remember, yeah, 15-year no, imports, so yeah. that stuff's available in Canada. No, no, but, but it's true. The stuff that he's talking about. Yeah, yeah so you're not, right. you're not talking yeah. like international shipping like over oceans. Right, you're talking right. shipping from Canada to the U.S. Yeah, that's right. So it's expensive. The good news is I could get mine in a Toyota box. That's 26 years old, or I can get an Alexis box that's 26 years old because... LX470? Yeah, same truck. So the good news is I don't think I'm going to be hurting too bad. We can have a contest to see what we think the back window for my 26-year-old FJ80 is going to cost. That might be fun. Sorry. $359. $359? All right. How big is it? About this big. Oh, so it's a big piece of glass. It's a full-size. Because if it was small, I was going to say it was expensive. You're going to say 790 bucks? I'm going to say right. I'm gonna six, six, 600. 600. All right. What do you got, Chris? 795. 795. Fucker. Price is right rules, motherfucker. I'm going 595. I'm going 230. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Well, you already know? No, I don't know. You've spoken <laughs> like someone who's looked it up. No, because remember that my Toyota Tundra just got broken into in Detroit recently, and I had to pay for a left rear window. And I was expecting my left rear window in the Tundra to be about 250 bucks, and it turned out to be 105 bucks. Do you remember that? Aren't those made in, uh, made in the U.S. now? The Tundras? Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. Mexico. San Antonio, mine. Yeah, mine was San Antonio. Why? Who knows where the fucking glass came from? Seriously, if anybody comes up to me and tells me, well, this piece of glass was made in wherever, you'd better work in the fucking factory that made it, <laughs> because I am still convinced right now that everything comes from China. It just goes in a box to San Antonio or goes in a box to Mexico or goes in a box to Canada, gets taken out of the box, and then says that it's from Ontario. Even I'm not that cynical. I'm fucking super (laughs) cynical these days about that shit, man. It might be true, but I wasn't until you mentioned it. Now I'm like, I bet they are making that class. Oh, man. Luckily, those factories are depopulating that country. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. They think fentanyl is going to kill us. I think all that pollution is going to kill them, so... You can't breathe deep in India anymore. That's out of the question. You, you can't know, we do that. We were talking about Crystal right. Meth earlier, and I was watching a World War II you know, thing on the Netflix, yeah. and they were talking about the Blitz, Blitzkrieg, uh-huh. and basically Germany had the super soldier because they were giving them Praminol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is Crystal Meth. It's Crystal Meth. So you've yeah. got these sh- yeah. stormtroopers. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they started, they started on the French border, and three days later, right. they were still fucking fighting and yes. pumping yes. and nobody could fucking handle it. Yeah. They also had uh, they had Coca uh, Cola, which was the uh, yeah. the chocolate with had, cocaine. With, with yeah, yeah, with with the added secret ingredient, cocaine, Bolivian marching powder. Same well, thing. They, they, <laughs> still, they still sell it now. It's just heavily caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. Look it up. What, it's they got still cocaine sell it. It's just it's heavily still? caffeinated. What's up? What's no, up? they still sell it, but instead of the cocaine, the coke it's just heavily oh, I thought you, yeah. said, right. I thought you yeah. meant they added oh, caffeine no. and yeah. coke. Yeah. Oh, boy. They took out the safe boy. drug and put in the dangerous That's one. That's monster. They just eliminated, yeah. they just eliminated the chocolate and actually just... One of, they called yeah. it Four loco. 
One of, one of the funniest things I've heard recently, there's a, a web series called This Isn't Happening. Yeah. And it's comedians telling like horrible stories that are true. Oh, yeah. And so they had this girl comedian. She's like a very nice looking lady. And she gets in to talk about how many years ago, 10 years ago, she got into crystal meth. And she said it was in her opinion that it was, it was much better of an idea to invest in her crystal meth career than her comedy career. And so she went full in. And so right. for six years, she became a complete meth head, yep. made all these bad and decisions. somebody bought her teeth. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, definitely. But one of the <laughs> best parts of this whole thing is that she was listening to some, some, or some article and said that crystal meth, the reason it keeps you high for so long is that most of it passes through your body and actually comes out in pee. So she was like, oh, my God, liquid gold. <laughs> so she started, like, pissing into this thing and then drinking it. And she said it was, like, tripping her out and stuff. And she tried to convince everybody. She was like, oh, no, you got to try You got to drink your pee. She's like, I convinced no one. Right. But meanwhile, myself, I had an endless supply. And then I had to figure out how to eat it and do stuff and then piss oh. in a cup and drink my crystal meth pee. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Just when you <laughs> think you, you couldn't get any lower. It down. Right. <laughs> I, look, that's one of those things. I have always said... The reason I don't do more high-grade pharmaceuticals, the reason I don't do more high-end drugs, is simply I don't have the time. No. I just don't. And if I had more time, people that are less Someday employed... Someday when I'm retired. <laughs> right. Yeah, people who are less employed get to be far more adventurous. You're either going to slip into paranoia or drug use, one of the two. Well, and also, so take your pick. I don't want to be in a parking lot and sucking a dick on, without my own free will involved. I don't oh, want to be okay. like, you know, yeah, have right. you you to get money that, for You want to come to that decision Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I get 70. You well, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Right. You yeah. want. So heroin, you, have all the heroin I'm want. still convinced that you don't have to be 70. We live in a culture where if you've got a good healthcare provider, you just have to know the things to say. So you've my, got to uh, know how to get this My stuff. grandfather, I just... A month has never seemed like such a long period right. of time to be for. Okay. When you're, when you're 30, 31, yeah. even, a month is like a blink of a, you know, that's sure. not a lot of time. Yeah. My grandfather's 95. Right. He's like, water is seeping out of his legs. He's not sure. doing too well. Right. He used he's, to keep yeah. me on he's the phone the for yeah. an hour at, the, hour at a time. Yeah. He's like sharp as a tack, and just in the last year, he's taken a real turn down. Right. And we're visiting him in New Orleans on February, first week of February. Right. Oh, And yeah. it's like, I hope he makes it that Yeah, you do. Because he didn't want to talk. He didn't have a lot of time to talk uh -huh. on the phone when I called him on Christmas, and uh, he wasn't too excited. And he actually said, and something I could never imagine my grandfather saying right. even two years ago was, 95 is too old. And that's what he said with that that sort of resignation that I can't replicate right. as someone my age that yeah. nobody at this table could replicate. Right, well, you I'm have to be ninety five years old. I'm like forty nine. Seems like it might be too much, my friend. I don't Easy know. there, Hunter. S. <laughs> yeah, well, I so I'm I, sure you at ninety five. I might be signing up for some high risk loans. That's some well, very, very, right. very, some very sketchy credit cards. Right. What's that's the smallest like, parachute oh, that can support my weight? And how fast can I come? So down? it's like on the kind of more positive side yeah. of it is I'm thinking like if I were to make it that far. I wonder what kind of shit I would try. Everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, if I get well, game. what I do is I gotta get to ninety four because if things start really shutting down at ninety five, I gotta start having. I'm gonna be pulling confidence scams and stuff like I that. I think so too. Just yeah. trying yeah. to leave a bucket of cash buried somewhere for my daughter. Like I said, I will buy the oldest car that you can buy when I jail. achieve seventy five years jail old. Jail would be great because that's yeah. like cool. I get three hots yeah. a cot. A TV, yeah, they're gonna have their eyes on you care. constantly. Hey, I'm having a heart attack. Right. Oh, exactly. You want. Right, exactly. Sure. They'll, they'll have all the sex they want. <laughs> they'll have all the sex you want. <laughs> Not if I already got I the will AIDS. Be, well, <laughs> I will be the guy. I'm here. I'm going to jail in three months. I need to get three diseases. <laughs> I've got three months to get three Jokes different kinds you, of... Yeah. I mean, exactly. If I make it to 94, I'm going to start smoking again. Yeah, that's it. And, well, I've always said, when I get to that right age, 
I used to have to pull people over, and I'd pull people over for driving the wrong way on the freeway, right? And nobody knows. I mean, that, that kills people a lot of times. Oh, time. yeah. And when you pull somebody over for driving the wrong way on the freeway, and you pull them over, you, once you get them stopped, because they don't know why you're behind them with the lights on, and they can't imagine, like, how did I get in the parade? And you realize they're in a law enforcement parade going the wrong way on the freeway. But I realized that at a certain age, and that's a variable age, you could buy a 68 Buick or a 69 Lincoln Continental, remove the factory equipment front bumper, and replace it with a piece of railroad track and just become that guy. Jesus Christ. You're talking about making uh, like a killdozer. I'm no, not a killdozer. A maimdozer. A very luxurious, single finger, finger steering luxury car with a beautiful air conditioning system, right? It gets about seven or eight miles to the gallon. But then you can be judge, jury, and executioner of like you're texting. Now you're not. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. some vigilante. Vigilante yeah. shit. I want to be a 94-year-old vigilante. Or just drive like you don't fucking care. And, again, you're going to get pulled over. It is so much work to petition to have somebody's driver's license taken away from them in this goddamn state. It well, you know, Go to the BMV and watch who gets yeah, some. Exactly. Go this ahead. lady couldn't You'll be see. Fine. She's like... Go I ahead. Can't right. see, take my life. Take my life. Not going to stop me from exactly. driving. Exactly. I'm still going right. to drive. It is. It is one of those Here's things. Your you can't. You know what you got to do. It might you, be you my last. Have act. another yeah. switch on the dash. Right. So that when you're going the right way on the highway and you pass somebody who's texting, you make you it's like caltrops, except it's just broken up spark plugs and it's just a little trap door opens up and you just get a smoke screen and broken spark plugs just go behind you. Oh, we took all the lithium out of all the watch batteries. And uh, I I don't for this for the life of me, that's one of those games where I just had a customer uh, if anybody wants a BMW K1600S. Uh, we had a customer that we sold the bike to. Um, that's, uh, I believe it's K16, maybe it was a K12. It might have been a K12. Bad motherfucking bike. I mean, that's the German Hayabusa. Is that the blue one? Killer. Yeah, it was. Was it a blue one? No, this one happened to be a silver one. Oh, that, the one you got? At yeah, the, the one we had over here for a little while, with the yeah. bags on it. And uh, we sold it. This guy came in, and he was on the wrong side of 80. And <laughs> he came in, and he was like, yeah, he goes, I don't know if I'm allowed to buy this bike. And I said, why wouldn't you be allowed to buy this bike? And he says, well. We don't have a license. No, no. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, I can't, uh, see. I can't have. He wanted to get a Hayabusa. But he wasn't allowed to get a Hayabusa because his insurance company wouldn't let him get a Hayabusa. Because <laughs> apparently he'd received too many aggressive driving awards. And so he said, I'm going to talk to my insurance company, and if they won't let me buy the Interceptor 1200 because it was too much risk, he was going to buy the the BMW K1200. And uh, I said, okay, I don't don't care. He's clearly blowing smoke up my ass and not going to do any of these things because he's 1,000 years old. And But I entertain anybody, and he called my fucking bluff. And he showed up, and he was like, well... So here's the money. We like to hear that. Deliver it to my house on Tuesday. And I said, by fucking all means, I will. Giddy up. Yeah. And so I delivered his bike on Tuesday, you know, eight months ago or something. And uh, his son came into the store and said that his dad had passed. Oh. And so, but, you know, 
his last act of defiance was to buy a 170 horsepower motorcycle. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> badass. That's pretty badass. And apparently the bike didn't kill him because the son was like, you want to buy it back? How many, you got to find out how many more, how many miles he put on it. I don't still, think many, but yeah. yeah. Still, I mean, yeah. Honestly, right? if you make it that we'll far, know. yeah, how, like 80 something, and right. you put any miles. Yeah, right. I mean, on yeah, 170 cool. horsepower motor. If he motorcycle. put any miles on it, yeah. it was at 160. I got to believe. He went, it was from cranked. Zero to 160. And yeah. He, and he told me while he was in here, he's like, yeah, he goes, I've got like 11 points on my license. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah, that guy right. rules. Well, that's, that's like the road racing at Mid-Ohio every year when we're at Vintage Days. Oh, it's my like, God. Yeah, some the, of those one guys class, are, Those guys are all 60, 70, 80. Oh, the yeah. one dude died on the straightaway yep. three years ago. Yeah, he did. Like, and, and, and did two more corners. <laughs> almost, yeah, sort of. But I mean, like, well, if you're going to... did two more corners. Yeah, it, but, he was, but he was on it. He was on it. Oh, he was yeah. slumped on the thing. He, was, man, he like, left this mortal coil. That's And again, that is just the coolest shit I've one person felt bad for that. No, seriously, that guy goes through. That's exactly how I want to die. Ghost Road, his last two corners at Mid Ohio. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? Vintage Days should be <laughs> named after that. Dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I think like, it almost was. I mean, everybody, he'd been racing for 30 yeah, years. Yeah. Everybody, it was and Rick that whole, something, Rick. Yeah, that, but the whole idea is he expired yeah. in letters on a motorcycle. Straight away. He, di- he literally Straight died with his boots on. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. And like this fellow who's just like, oh, his, his last act of defiance was he bought an extremely powerful British or German motorcycle. Good for him. You know, I mean that's that's pretty badass. If you're gonna if you're gonna make an exit, that's a pretty ge- pretty good exit to make. Yeah, not only know? did he buy a 170 I'm horsepower motorcycle, <laughs> yeah. Lover. yeah, but he didn't yes. die on it. No, I don't no. think he died on it, and that's awesome. Yeah, I don't think he died on it. He think came by this. the shop a few times on it. They're probably like, "Hey, can you yeah. come on Tuesday? We're gonna we're gonna check your heart to make sure you can take enough, you know, stuff to live." He's like, "I got it. I got. This. I got this. I got I'm this. just gonna go 160 yeah. on high. If I don't die doing it, my right. heart's fine." Yeah, and that is an interesting thing because yeah. like, I rode that motorcycle up to well over like in the neighborhood of 165, and at 165 I commented it was remarkably smooth. Oh yeah, I remember. I mean it was it was velvety smooth. My at 165. insurance company won't let me buy a Hayabusa. Right, that's like that's like shit a 21 year old <laughs> says. That shit a guy with a flat bill says. No offense, but but it's just I mean that is tell me I'm wrong though. That's go. pretty badass go. and. When when it does come down to that, I don't know what I mean. I don't know what I want to be up to. I hope though that I've got the presence of mind and at least people around me because I don't have any kids. Nobody's going to take care of my dumbass. So I'm just going to have to escape from the home. I mean, that's all it is. I'm going to have to be like I'm going to have to get that rogue credit card. <laughs> but then I could probably Amazon by then will be selling bikes, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So I by then, the one dude who was a pretty old timer, yeah. over seventy, maybe not eighty, yeah. between seventy and eighty. He was riding a KLR and he was into geocaching and stuff yeah. like that. That's what he was doing. But he was pretty rickety, you know, getting yeah. on and off the bike and everything. And he was talking about being out in Moab and stuff. Right. And he got into a little jam where he couldn't, like, he was off camber and had to wait around a little while. Yeah. For about a half a day until somebody else came along and helped him get his bike back up and stuff. And we're like, Jesus. Oh, My grandpa used to have to park the car, take nitro, <laughs> and then wait. Oh, and then he had to he had to balance out down. he has to balance out the nitro with bourbon. Yeah. So he'd have to play bourbon versus nitro, <laughs> so they can get and do another twelve hours driving. Because my yeah. grandpa like he like he swung his whole way down like eighty six years old and he was like fuck it I'm not 
I'm not going out easy. I want to go. I want. I want to do that. That I don't reminds wanna... me. Our our generation. Well, even before us, but definitely ours yeah. when we were growing up. I remember going in like like a a, a Bronco with like one of my friends' dads. Yeah. And he would have a cooler in the middle of the seats yeah. and a trap door to drop the empty beers through. So like they'd be drinking <laughs> as we were driving, and just like slide this thing open and drop the dead and the beer. beers. Just hit the pavement. <laughs> just keep going down the other <laughs> nice. way. Yeah. That was normal. A cooler between the seats. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. I mean, Road sodas. Yeah. Well, I mean, I totally want to do. Okay, so my modification at some point in my life. Yeah. Go buy for fifteen dollars. You can buy a uh, squirter. Yeah. Windshield wiper squirter bottle yeah. with the motor and everything. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Mount it somewhere in the car with a yeah. hose coming out of the dash. Yeah. And fill it full of rum or your favorite. <laughs> Did you food. see that? <laughs> and just you go buy a big golf and just, just hit, a super hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that on the thing, the one hillbilly dude that did it? He, he did, did that, that yeah. on YouTube. Did you just and add the correct amount of rum to any beverage? Yeah. Yes. He had it cooked to his windshield wiper, so he'd pull it and be like, he's like rum and coke. You don't need windshield wipers if you have Rainex. Right. Do you know what's the weird thing is when I was in Arizona picking up that E350 out there, I noticed that all the windshield washer fluid you could buy was 30 degrees plus. Wild. Oh, yeah, that's the expression I made. I went into the freaking, <laughs> I bought this thing, and what do you do? First thing you buy something, you check the oil, you do all the fluids and everything else, and I'm doing all the fluids. Windshield washer fluid was clearly water. Well, that won't work. We're about to drive across America in the wintertime. Stop right? at a drugstore, buy a bottle of one dollar bottle of isopropyl. So I went over and I'm at the you know auto mart or auto store or you know auto zone or whatever the fuck it was. And I go in and it's the same color as it's supposed to be. It costs what ours costs, but it says 30 degrees plus. Hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll go buy the orange shit. The orange shit is clearly full flavor. So I went to buy the orange shit, and it was 30 degrees plus. And I asked the guy, I was like, where do you buy anything that doesn't freeze? And he said, Colorado. <laughs> I got to call, Flagstaff. call right. bullshit on that, because like yeah. Lake Tahoe freezes. Exactly. Well, Flagstaff freezes its tits off, and yeah. it's in Arizona. But yeah, it took us a considerable amount of driving till we get to a point where you could buy that shit. And I was just in Quebec City... And at the Quickie Mart in Quebec City, they've got shit that goes to negative 45. <laughs> and it works? Allegedly. It says negative 45. And the cool thing about negative 45 science versus negative 45 Frankenstein is that negative 40 is negative 40, no matter whether you use a C or an F. That's where they line up. Like, the, the degrees are the oh, same really? at negative 40. Oh, yeah, I didn't so know that. Yeah, so like zero is 32. Right. But 212 is 100. Right. But negative 40 is negative 40. Huh. The exchange right. rate's exactly the same. Good. What the? F- an he grabbed orange, one of my gloves. An orange rubber glove. The nitrile. Well, yeah, yeah. But orange. Yeah. They got uh, nice little. Uh, the like grippers on them. Grippers yeah, 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 I get those. Nice. And they're like double layer. Like gray. Those are There's nice. a layer and they're like two ply. Ooh. That really is. That's a very nice nitrile glove. These are the kind that you won't blow out. You won't blow the fingers seconds. out of the first time you put them on, especially if you've got like that little coke, coke nail growing on your pinky. Unless you're using a snake. Oh, I can tell you what snakes yeah, will do yeah, to yeah, a yeah. rubber glove. That's yeah, not well, you should never use a glove with a rotating With a rotating piece of, piece of yeah, implement. Right. That's right. That's the best way to lose your arm and hammer and all that good shit. <laughs> and all, it's all going to yeah. go away. <laughs> <laughs> Never wear John, you look like you're thing. ready to go literally knuckles deep. <laughs> <laughs> there are, Where is there are seven fluids in the human either? body, and I've tasted all of them. <laughs> episode one, what's Chocolate Thunder? Hey, wait, <laughs> these are used gloves. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Oh, that sucks. Anybody else got anything else? 
I don't know. I don't. I think that's it. No. Uh, remember, uh, motorcycle show's coming up at the end of January. So <laughs> contact us about the jan- the end of January event. Do you think they're gonna? Do you think Harley's learned their lesson from getting all the bad publicity? And they're gonna take the bikes oh, out of the boxes. That's a damn good question. I wonder if the Bronx yeah, and the Panamera, yep. Pan America, will be out of their uh, hostile uh, acrylic environment. They were at Icma. Oh, they were. They were. Free range at They were free range in Eichmann because there's a really good video of, uh, October, yeah. of, clo- of <laughs> yeah. clo- like a close-up yeah, video, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. some guy just walking around the bike getting as close. But they like. were, but but LA Auto Show was after Eichmann, and at LA Auto Show they were definitely in plastic. And the first the first uh, International Motorcycle Show they were in plastic in yeah. California. Why can't they just put them in big containers like action figures? Now yeah. like a big cardboard thing behind it. Have you seen the giant Make it look like Hot Wheels thing that Hot Wheels tours with, and you can park in front of it, and it looks like your car is in a Hot Wheels package? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you that. You need a big Maisto. One. Yeah, a big Maisto. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, like big Maisto. Like the model yeah, put your bike in it. That's very, very cool. Did uh, does, did everybody? Uh, well, I'm way younger than a lot of the guys here. I'm not being <laughs> yes, an asshole. That's you just are. A fact. I was going to ask if everybody grew up with the Maisto 118 scale motorcycles. Oh, but. dude, I had like 390 of them. Like, yeah. all in fucking racks. <laughs> yeah, my parents are like, like, you're going to get kicked out of this house if you ever want to ride a motorcycle. But if you want to collect the toy ones and play with oh, those, cool. then you can have. Yeah, I went through a whole after I got bored with them. Then I started to customize them all. Like I started taking sport bike wheels onto Harley's. And they weren't Maestos, but they were one eighteen scale sport bikes. <laughs> early two thousand, like late nineties, early two thousands, yeah. and they came with extra parts. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you, you had a little screwdriver, and you could put a yeah. Yoshimura pipe wow. on, and you oh, could yeah. put little Olin shocks on. Oh yeah, and you could yeah. put like a. I remember there was. I did I get really Yamaha excited R1. about when they GI Joe got his own motorcycle. And I'm talking about the GI Joes that were a foot yeah, tall. Yeah, the foot tall ones. Barbie. That's uh, yeah. that's bigger than a foot tall. What you just made right well, there. Well, again, you, you did thirty. That was when I was a child, he's used to telling girls tall. about his wiener. So that's yeah. exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever ask my wife what a foot is. So that's a uh, yeah. We're not. That's ready. why you measure we're not ready for that information. Measure. It's just a little bit. It's just a little off. That's it. There's the our meter stick is hanging on the wall right there. So we need anything. We got the metered stick. That's it, man. Ride fast, take chances, guys. Bow, 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 bow,